drive a present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later. The Home Star Army proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about. Trek West 5 is brought to you in part by RocketWebDesign.com, custom web design at template website prices. Designs by Dee.blogspot.com, your online home for all your digital scrapbooking needs. Need a home along the Wasatch Front? Contact Lisa DeBagere with Kirkham and Friends Real Estate. No one will work harder for your home. And thehomestarmy.com, blogging to the world since 2004. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 141. I am Peter. And I am Joey. And uh, we're trying out the mics again. Hopefully we've got it all worked yeah, out. We are using a new software package this week. Oh. Uh, we're going to try it out see how it works. It's a, it's a more professional package than the one we've previously used. Hopefully it will allow us to save some money on a professional editing board. Instead of buying a $2,000 editing board, I think we can slide by with like a $300 editing board. Uh, is it possible to make me sound like Barry White? Yes, but I'm not going to do it. Oh, okay. All of you listeners out there. I need you to write in and petition Joey to make my voice sound like Barry White. You know, I'll tell you what. If we can get 15 new emails next week... <laughs> 15 new emails. I will, you know, oh, I we got somebody new. We got a commenter on uh, the Trek West 5 blog. Oh, really? On the blog? blog spot. Yeah. Cool. Someone posted up uh, a comment. They've gone through and listened to some of the old stuff. So Another, another person not willing to join Facebook <laughs> yeah, in order yeah, to participate yes. in the conversation. Or, or sign up on the, the email. Cause they, so if you're listening, whoever you are that uh, left a comment on the last <laughs> uh, blog post, send us your email. And I won't spam it, most likely. Uh, oh, and uh, that guy over there, who hasn't been here for a while, who and needs to hold his microphone. Needs to hold his microphone by the shock mount, not by the base. Like that? Yep. Okay, that is Brandon. Hi, I'd like to thank our host, Pete, and our co-host, Joey, for having me this week. All right. It's not right, man. Yeah, you're right. It isn't right because he's the guest host. Oh, you're he's right. Not a, he's not a co-host. Oh, I'm sorry. Just a this guest. This podcast host. is over. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I'd like to thank our host Pete and our guest host Joey for having me back. It has been a while. When was the last time you were here? Uh, in I think it would be the second season of Star Trek. Really? Has it been that it long? It's been that long. I see. I thought you had joined us at some point for a podcast here. Like I, I, th- I really thought you had. I was here while you guys re- were recording your second poetry podcast. Oh, but that's I did not serve any input. You d- you read a you read a, a poem though. I, I was remember go- that. No, I was going to, but I couldn't do it. No, no, no. I think I thought I really have a memory of you actually reading something that Joey or I had picked out, or one of the other listeners had sent in. I feel like I, I feel actually, like you were actually I heard audio from Brandon. That may I have a vague podcast. recollection of that. I feel that like you did. Feel like you did. We'll say I did. All right. I'll be honest, Brandon. I don't pay that much attention to what goes <laughs> on around here. <laughs> uh, that's why he's a guest host, everyone. Guest host. Uh, oh, how was the week? Everybody's week go okay? 
Yeah, it's all right. Sure. Yeah, good, good. Mine was fantastic. Nothing bad happened at all. Really? I was trying to put on a good face, <laughs> but since you've brought it up, yes, my car's transmission died. I really would have preferred not to have, you know, had to mention that. Okay. Thanks. Well, oh, hey, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, welcome to the, uh, the the listeners out there. We're glad you're along with us to finish up Firefly last season. Yeah. Um, which was also coincidentally the first season, but uh, no matter. I don't know that it's coincidence. <laughs> it's painful is what it is. Um, I wanted to start out this evening by reading an email from listener Bob. Okay, let's hear it. So he says, so Bob and I have been watching the newsroom. So far, it has been pretty Wait, excellent. Hold on. Is this an email from SpongeBob? No, Bob. Signed Bob. Okay. Bob and I. I don't know. All right. Didn't I say SpongeBob? No, you said, so Bob and I have been watching. And I'm like, so All he's, right. he's sitting there watching it with himself. In well, a third we'll person. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a new listener, Bob. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, come totally different from the other Bob. <laughs> Just go with it, Bob. Joey won't notice. Okay, so SpongeBob. And I, which apparently I'm reading this for the second time now, sorry. And I have been watching the newsroom. So far, it's been pretty excellent. As a journalism graduate, I find it quite refreshing. By the way, congratulations yes, to him yeah. for graduating. Uh, I find it quite refreshing that someone um, would want to cover the news impartially, presenting the facts. It's rather honorable. Uh, I think being on HBO gives Sorkin the freedom to write in his style and break the shackles of network television. Though the liberal leaning is not difficult to see, uh, it isn't as apparent as the left-right divide on the West Wing. One golden nugget is, uh, is that John Gallagher Jr. was the kid in the West Wing episode Isaac and Ishmael, who Josh kept picking on. Uh. He is now a grown-up in a Sorkin drama, which must be kind of cool. That is way awesome that you know Sorkin's been grooming him for all of these years. <laughs> I assume that he has been. Which, I've come to think of it, it's kind of creepy that he's kept him in the basement. Oh, well. I made why why did you have to go there? I made that up, yeah. Let's see how this goes. Being 10-episode seasons does also work in its favor, much like British television. One postscript I want to add is about Guy Fox Night. <laughs> it is on November... Oh, he said night. He said night! I was right! <laughs> I was right! <laughs> it is on uh, 5th of November every year where we commemorate the gunpowder plot to blow up Parliament and King James I in 1605. Guy Fox was the leader of this plot, which was foiled. And he was Scottish, by the way, I believe. I believe. I could be making that up. I but I was right about being Guy Fox Knight. So therefore, we should just take your word for it on all the rest of yes. it. Yes. Fair enough. I am the authority on everything. <laughs> anyway, we'll send more feedback on Firefly later in the week. Second email. One more thing. It does feel like Danny and Jordan Part 2. I don't know that I felt quite like that yet. Okay. But, I don't know. She's no Jordan. I'm just going to say she's that. She's not a Jordan McDear. No. 
But I'm glad she's not. I like the character that she is. Okay. I, I, I take it you're watching it now. Yeah, I've been through the first three episodes. Okay. I've got the fourth on DVR. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to watch it yet. We've been watching it with a friend of ours. Okay. John and I. Liking it? Yeah, I enjoy it so far. It's pretty good. Um, anything else you want to cover, Joey? I'm good to roll. Okay, Facebook Find of the Week. Facebook Find of the Week. Pete's going to hate me. I am giving it to the 1969 Spider-Man fan film. Oh. <laughs> what an awesome find. I don't know where he dug that up. That was terrible. But it was so terrible that it's just, you have to love, like, it, it's clearly a labor of love for that guy because there's no talent involved whatsoever. <laughs> it's just, he wanted it to exist that badly. Yeah. And in 1969, I'll, that was a big deal. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that, for sure. Um, what I found interesting is... Did women really wear skirts like that? Because it seemed like it flared out at the bottom, and it was really short. Like, it really just came to, like, mid-thigh. And it just seems like you're just, like, inviting people, like, uh, you know, the, the peepers, to just stare up your skirt. It just seems like it would be happening a, a lot more often than it should be happening. I don't know. I don't know either. I just felt like that was something that I took away from that. Okay. But uh, that was Listener Fishhead, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. Listener Fishhead. I'm curious what uh, my roommate John thought about it. I, when I saw it, I thought, John is going to love this. And I was just curious if it ever actually, like if he did actually like it or not. Uh, unfortunately, he's not here tonight, so I can't ask him. Okay. Um, Brainy Smurf? Let's hear it. Okay. Hey, dudes. The mics sound good. They also serve, although, let's see, they also serve to make John's mic sound that much worse. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> it is truly an inspiration to hear our leaders have to podcast that much harder to conquer his sonic roadblocks. Hailing gesture. So, I'm, uh, may I say that uh, schedule of shows ahead is so super awesome. Both Sherlock and BSG demonstrate some of the finest writing in modern TV. There were a few more points about BSG that I was saving up for a closing argument, but since it's not necessary, I wanted to mention one of BSG's most unique features. Ronald D. Moore provides a commentary for every episode via podcast. You will hear him drink scotch and smoke cigarettes and relate the inner workings of this show and how its story evolved. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm super pumped about that, too. I would love to hear that. So, I think, Brainy, you need to send us uh, a link or, or something so that we can post that yeah, up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when the time comes, because that's that's really interesting. That that may actually get me over the hump of those first few episodes that I've never been able to get past. Actually having the... The writer commentary there to, to pull me through and re-engage me. And it may serve me to push to only do two episodes of podcast. Uh, you know, I am loving the two episodes of podcast I won't schedule. deny. I won't deny. I'm, I'm kind of on board with that, too. Instead of having to try and squeeze four in. Yeah. Oh, so much nicer. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. If Joey's enjoying it, we probably shouldn't do it. Uh, Brainy Smith uh, Smurf continues... By the way, Joey, are you willing to collaborate for another Nook of Corner? Absolutely. How about Game of Thrones? 
<laughs> okay. Like the whole series or a particular book out of the series? I, he doesn't say. I know, he, I'm he, asking him right now. Well, he... Okay, we'll wait for his reply. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm such a jerk to you. I'm such a jerk to you. What were we talking about today when we came up with, like, the crest that we need to have? What, what, like, mine was, I just needed a friend. No, it was... It was uh... No one else would put up with me is my side of the crest, and your side of the crest was, and I really needed a scapegoat. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. <laughs> so we're thinking we need to come up with some sort of like, uh, you know, like a coat of arms or some crest or something like that, and it would be Joey and I on there, you know, doing some weird pose or something. Potato and chips have to be involved in the crest. <laughs> we'll have some potato chips like on the ground somewhere, you know, like at Joey's feet. This is so funny. I, I can't remember where we were. But uh, I, I was eating a bag of potato chips, and I dumped some of them out on the table in front of me. And my wife just starts laughing, <laughs> and she's laughing. She's just like, and I'm like, what is going on? She's like, oh, I was just thinking of how you and Pete met. <laughs> like, tell her that's how we met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, funny, funny, funny. He continues, Brainy. So, how about a little bit of darkness? This week's Nook of It reviews... Nook of it, a little bit of darkness. Reviews the more recently canceled of Joss's show, Dollhouse. The show made it through two seasons. The concept did get more interesting toward the end of the second season, but it was a long road to get there. Although I didn't love the series, I did encounter some uh, some many people whom liked it. The dollhouse in this crazy underground facility in L.A. where brain science is able to map out the mental topography of one's neurological situation. Uh, so they take people, wipe their mind, and whore them out for millions. It's a little, no, a lot like Neo learning Kung Fu. Sometimes the dolls are equipped with mad bank robbing skills or bodyguarding abilities. Certainly they are prostituted out a lot. Enumerating what is, I guess, one of Joss's favorite themes. Then the dolls go back and get wiped to face another day. I think the show has a few characters that outshine the story. There are also Firefly guest appearances. Um, uh, I th <laughs> there are also Firefly guest appearances are by Alan Tudyk and Summer Glau. There are also many BSG peeps in the dollhouse. So overall, it's a well-put-together show that never reached its potential. The first season seems to take forever, but Joss makes up for it with his speciality in creepiness. As a Joss Whedon apologist, I would just like to point out that part of the reason that the first season drags on forever is because of heavy, heavy network interference in the first half of the episodes, demanding that he keep them very... Um, I can't think of the word. Self-contained. I did think of the word. Demanding that he kept the stories very self-contained. And for those for those of us who have actually followed Josh, you can actually... I can't remember offhand, but there's a, definitely a point in the first season where you can see that either they gave up or he just stopped caring what they thought because he knew it wasn't going to last anyways. And that's when, to me, the series actually begins to pick up quite a bit. Well... I don't know if you can blame the network. It was Fox, and they've done a lot of really good things. <laughs> you know, uh, 
By the way, I, I managed to get that out with a straight face. Straight I, face. I'm not not watching Family Guy actively anymore. But I remember when they came back after being canceled. Uh, <laughs> you know, the Peter comes in and he tells the family, he's like, you know what, guys, I got bad news. We've been canceled by Fox. But, you know, if... It's all right because if all of these shows, and he just starts naming every show that had been on Fox and been canceled since since Family Guy was canceled and brought back, he says, as long as all those shows fail, then we have we have a chance to come back. And it was like there were like fifty shows in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty funny, uh, funny, funny thing to say. Um, okay, well, Brainy, thanks very much uh, for that nook. I never got into Dollhouse, but I. But now that he's mentioning that they're just a bunch of prostitutes, I'm not sure I necessarily ever will. Well, to, to, to be to be fair, there we don't know how much actual sex was going on. They were they were given every kind of skill set and put in all sorts of different situations. Very, but good. I, I would say it's more slavery than prostitution, personally, because in prostitution, the person that is the prostitute retains at least some portion of the proceeds. In Dollhouse, they're indentured servants. Okay. Uh, I was trying to come up with a better term than prostitutes. I can't. I thought it maybe whore. <laughs> we should discuss that again. Yeah. You know, we clearly haven't resolved it yet. <laughs> no. No, not at all. Uh, all right. Move, we'll move on. Uh, Joey's Culture Corner. Since we don't have John to do a Culture Corner. Yep. Okay, Joey's Culture Corner this week is a website called CourseRaw.org. That's Course, C-O-R-U-S-E, the letter R-A, dot org. That's Romeo Alpha. Uh, this is a website where you can go and they are they are doing, uh, they are filming college courses, and you can take the course online, watch the whole college course, take the tests and actually get a certificate of completion signed by the professor that taught the course saying, yeah, you, you you did complete the online version of their course. So you learn something. You don't necessarily get a degree out of it. That's right. Now, right. I, I have been using it. I haven't even been trying to keep up with the schedule that they set because you, in order to get the, the certificate at the end, you have to finish the homework assignment by a certain time and you have to turn in the test by a certain time and all this stuff. I've been downloading all the all the videos of all the classes that I found interesting and watching them in my own time rather than trying to keep to the schedule they set because, I mean, they, they basically treat you, in order to keep up with the class, you'd have to treat it like it was a literal college class where you were attending the lecture, you know, two or three times a week, turning in the assignments uh, at the same pace and I'm watching maybe one lecture a week personally. Mm -hmm. So, I'm enjoying it for the fact that I can download all of the, all the lectures, watch it at my leisure, and actually learn something out of it more than I'm worrying about trying to get any of the certificate certifications. But they have computer programming classes, they have creative writing classes, uh, a lot of different. I know there's there's a, a a whole bunch of them that just came online for sign up around the healthcare industry. Uh, like different different segments within the healthcare industry, how to you know break into the market and things like that. So it, it's they've got a full range of courses, and and they just got another twelve universities that have signed up to start moving their content into this online repository, and so it's only going to grow from here. I, I think this is a, a potentially radical game changer for higher education, because what we saw with MIT 
about 10 years ago now when they first started doing their open courseware project where they would film the classes and put them online in their on their own website what what they found is that the people who attended those classes electronically before they showed up for university have a much higher success rate than the people who did not because they have an understanding of what's going to be expected of them at the college level they know the difference now between here's what I have to do to succeed in high school and here's what I have to do to succeed at MIT. They, they've gotten some concept of that. And so they come to MIT much more prepared to be an effective student. And, and, and I think it, it, it only serves to improve the, the quality of the education that people get when they do attend a secondary education. And so I, I personally am really excited about this. The whole thing's free. They don't charge anybody anything for any of it. And, and I would recommend people check it out, see if there's something that's interesting to you in there. If there's something that's in there that is, you know, professionally important to you, you may want to try and keep their schedule and actually get the certification. So what courses are you taking right now? I am mainly taking uh, mathematics, physics, and programming courses. Okay. So the, the programming courses that I'm taking are, I, I, my, all of my programming knowledge is self-taught and practical application knowledge. I don't have a very solid foundation in the theoretical side because I didn't attend college to learn all this stuff. I just learned from, you know, I went and bought a programming book and learned out of it. And the programming books are usually focused around, okay, we're going to assume you know all the theory and we're just going to teach you practical application. And so I, I have a, a fairly weak, uh, comparatively weak theoretical foundation compared to, say, Curtis, who actually graduated from University of Utah in, uh, I think, in either computer science or electrical engineering. I can't remember which. Yeah, but that guy's like, he's a liberal. He is a liberal, and he attended the University of Utah. I don't know how that happened. I thought they had huh. a check at the door, but apparently that he slipped through. It's just weird that you're like trying to be more like Curtis. No, I never said that. That's what I heard. <laughs> That's what I heard. Anyway, CourseRA.org, or CourseRA. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Um, okay, uh, move on to episodes, episodes then. We are going to be covering episodes 14. Joey, would you go ahead and read <laughs> <laughs> Objects in Space, go ahead. Uh, let's cover our first episode for the evening. As the crew ponders what to do about River, a bounty hunter sneaks onto the ship to capture River and Simon. Oh, such an awesome episode. This is a really good episode. I really love this episode. And I think if you're going to end a series on some, on any of the things that uh, that Joss have done within this season, I think this is the best one to end it on. I think because they kind of it's finally welcome the best one. her as part of the crew. Okay. Everybody else has had their moment to say, okay, you're part of the crew, you're part of the crew... Um, I, well, maybe not Inara, although she's done some things and she's actually leaving. And I was wrong, by the way. I, in last podcast, I said, oh, yeah, Inara's gone. She's, she's done. We're not going to yeah. see her again. I was wrong about okay. that. I, I completely forgot. But I, I feel okay about that because John was wrong, too. <laughs> so as long as uh, I'm, I'm with my father on that. Interesting note that while this may have been the last episode, did you know it was not actually the last one shot? I did not know that. The message was actually the last shot. And in fact, the last scene shot was the funeral scene at the end of the message uh. with Mal in the snow. Interesting. Right. right. Very, very uh, interesting. Uh, I like the the opening of this episode here as w- River takes what I want to call a psychic walk through the ship. I love this. This, this was 
a brilliant, brilliant introduction for us as the audience to get an idea of what goes through River's mind as she passes through a day. Um, and I just wanted to really briefly run down the the things that she the the psychic reads that she gets off of off okay, of the people. Go for it. So uh, as she as she sees Simon, he says, "I'd be there right now," which I think is expressing his regret over you know I've had to subsume my whole life to my sister. It's important to know, and and Whedon actually says this on the commentary that while we are hearing the thoughts, we are hearing her interpretation of the thoughts. Okay, that's a good that's a good. No, thank you. And, and that, and I think that's important, especially as we get to books comment too. Which, yeah, because my 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 uh, note was my first one is is this what everyone thinks? And then I wrote or feels. And, and so I think what she is doing is she's feeling it and then making an interpretation of it, okay. and that's the the vocal thing. Because it was a really big question for me as to what it actually was, and I'm still not completely. S- certain about which one it is. I, but, I suppose it could go either way. Yes, I did listen to the commentary, so I, I know... Right, and that's where I'm going off of. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of, as I watched it, that was my thought as well. As I, is, But then again, I guess we always hear from our own perception of how things are anyways. But Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so then we have Jane. The money was too good. I got stupid. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, I think it's pretty clearly, it's, it's guilt over what he did on Ariel. Yep. Uh, we get books, which is, I don't give half a hump whether you're innocent or not. So where does that leave you? I have no idea what this is supposed to mean. Did he give some insight into that on the commentary track? No. No. And it's weird because um, Shepard says it angry. He says it angry, like, and he's not looking at River, not, so I don't know who he's talking to. He's not nice about it either. I I feel like he's he's pushing that at her. I feel like it. Interesting. So I, I felt like he was pushing that, but not necessarily at her. I, because the Who people, else was there? Jane. Well, he wasn't looking at anyone. So, I don't know. Just just in the way the set is is blocked, I thought, he, I, what, I, what I came away with it was, she is seeing his the darkness from his past. One of the things from his past. This is a bit of a hint into the character of Book before he became a shepherd. Yeah, he wasn't such a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, so then we have Zoe and Wash. Uh, okay, we'll move on. <laughs> well, there was nothing there. It was just... It was sensu- sensuality, right? Yeah. I mean, And the important part of it was that she was feeling it. Yes, yeah. It's that, very clear to, to on that the one theme. that she she was feeling and not so much interpreting, but she was, she was feeling. Right. Uh, and then Inara, I'm a big girl. Just tell me. So I, I have a I have something to share on what what I think that one means or what someone thought that I wanted to share, and then Mal, uh, none of it means a damn thing, which I I, I think is fairly clear. If Inara leaves, I, yeah, I think the two of them are are talking about each other. I don't at that think point. so. I, I I could I could believe that, but I I read something My- on the internet here that I thought was really interesting that I want to share about someone's interpretation of what Inara was saying. So. Here's what this guy says, and I should have copied his name so I could credit him, but apparently I can't get to the Elias now. Jones. Uh, it was on the Browncoats website, but here's what he says. I've looked across the threads in this group for this speculation and cannot find it, so I've taken it upon myself to post it. Uh, for anyone who's watched the commentary for Out of Gas, we learn in that commentary that Inara harbors a giant secret. I propose 
that that secret is this. Inara has a terminal disease and is dying. Let's examine the evidence. Starting with Nandi's comment about Inara in Heart of Gold, Nandi stated that Inara's decision to leave the Guild homeworld came as a shock to everyone. Also, that Inara could have been the house priestess in just a few years, and she had had her sights set on it. But suddenly she left with no explanation. Why would she do that? The second piece of evidence comes in the pilot episode, when Inara is chatting with her client and telling him about the beauty of the companion guild world, and that the great city is like an ocean of light. The client's response is, I can't imagine ever leaving. At that point, we hear Inara speak in reply, but we see her look away in regret. I believe this was Joss Whedon using a storytelling device designed to call our attention to her regret. He uses similar techniques in Buffy and Angel. Possibly the most direct piece of evidence is in our psychic statement to River and Objects in Space, I'm a big girl, just tell me. And out of gas itself, we have two pieces of evidence. The first is Mal's reaction to Inara's interest for renting the shuttle. To someone as commonsensical and intuitive as Mal, there really isn't any good reason for a guild-registered companion to ship out on a common, ca common cargo vessel like Serenity. He even challenges her about it. Inara isn't forthcoming and changes the subject. The second clue comes in the commentary when we learn that the scene between Inara and Simon contains a clue to Inara's secret. That scene is one where Simon tries to clinically describe suffocation due to his nervousness. Inara's comment in that scene is to look away from Simon but clearly state, I don't want to die. I think this was the secret. I wonder too if the needle from the pilot episode is in some way related to this story arc. We know from the commentary that it is not a suicide device but part of another plot line. I think he's reading too much into it. Okay. He's one of the internet people. Okay. I thought it was it's, an interesting... It's obvious that Anara has a secret that would have been down the line in a, cu in a couple seasons. Sure. I think he's just reading too much into it. I think that this is what it... This is what it looked like... That River's reading of Anara's thought is what it looked like on the surface, is that it's the pent-up frustration between those two. Okay. I... I it's... It's people like these that made me stop reading the uh, um, uh, Tor's website. They were doing a reread oh, okay. of, uh, of Pat Rothfuss' uh, book. And the people on there, the wild, crazy theories that they came up with, and I, I just, after a while, I was like, I, I just can't keep coming back here. You people mm. are just too bizarre. Like, taking something so very innocuous and building an entire theory on that. Interesting. And, okay. you know, I'm sure it all makes sense in their head. <laughs> I just... Maybe I don't have the mental acumen to be able to make the mental leaps that they do. Maybe I, they're, I, I would, maybe I think they're we can agree better... With that. Yeah. Maybe they're better than me. I can. I think we can agree that Pete does not have mental acumen. <laughs> the uh, the the most interesting thing to me, though, about that whole entire psychic walk that she takes, is the lack of anything from Kaylee. I think this tells us that Kaylee is exactly who and what we see. Oh, sure. There's, there's nothing under the surface. I'd be okay with that. She she lives and she wears everything she feels out on her skin all the time. Yeah, I'd, I'd totally be okay with that. I, I thought that was a great way for Whedon to develop the character of Kaylee merely by leaving her out of what was going on. I think I would absolutely agree with that, especially going back to her introduction and Out of Gas. Just that she's very earthly, down to right, she doesn't care, this is who she is, and yeah. 
you know she just doesn't really care what other people think or say or what what I truly loved about that whole walk was you got to see her reacting to different things and seeing what she is feeling and seeing from these other people so you know all these other times we've just seen her all of a sudden take this weird turn and you know suddenly you know she's happy one minute and then boom she's like upset or something else the next second and it's and it seems like it's because of who she's around and who she's reading and that's what I, I really, yeah. really enjoy about the yeah, whole scene. Yeah, I, I agree. The, I, whole, I, the whole fact that we're seeing, finally, how it all works up there, mm-hmm. I thought was, was very well, cool. There was a couple other moments in, the, in this walkthrough, and I think it's important to know, because, you know, this is kind of the... I, I believe this is the first time that they flat out said that she may be a reader in, in this episode. Yeah, it's yes. the first time they But, but this episode was definitely like, okay, she's different, she perceives things differently... And if you watch the way she moves through the ship, um, she's feeling everything. Even the way that she treats the ship itself as a character, she can, yeah, you know, which is important later on when they're, talk- when they're talking about how much she loves the ship. But the scene where she moves into the dining hall, yep, I know exactly where what you're talking about. Book and Jane are watch as she goes through that door. She yeah. is feeling the ship. She's yeah. feeling moving with the ship, and it's just a very subtle movement that she makes through it. But she does it a couple times in this episode. So then we then we see her pick up the stick. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yes. In her mind, that's just a stick on the ground. It's, it's just, just a it's thing. It's just an object. It's not what it looks like. Yeah. Well, that scene is the epitome of this of this episode. Um, you know, it's brought up later on, but what is an object other than what we make it? And that's kind of the force behind this episode. Okay. So we we're all brought back to reality. When everyone's like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Give me the gun, give me the gun. And she's just sort of like, no, what? It's just it's, it's, yeah. it's just a thing. I don't know why everyone's freaking out about this. And, you know, Mal takes it away and then he scolds her. And then she says something back to her, which I assume is what Mal, is what she's interpreting as what's going on in Mal's head right now, which is uh, she understands, she doesn't comprehend. So she wasn't saying that. She, I think, was saying what Mal... What she was reading out of Mal. Yes. Yeah. I don't know that I agree with that, honestly. I, I don't know that she was reading that so much as I think she was... Kind of going back to... She understands that it's a gun, but you know the way she looked at it, it wasn't a gun to her. It was just an object, and she doesn't comprehend hmm. why the big deal. I don't think that was so much her reading as I think that was more her projecting. Interesting. I, I really like here the uh, the line, no touching guns, and the way it comes back over and yes. over again throughout the course of the episode. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that, but now that oh, you mention yes. it, now that you mention it, yeah, yeah, that that that's very interesting. Uh, okay, so we have the trailing ship. Yeah, well, we get we get Mal telling Simon we're very much alone out here. At which point we pan outside the ship to see Jubal. Jubal ship, early ship. Um, okay, so he makes a transfer ship to ship. Yes. It seems like that would be incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Well, you know, they are out in the middle of nowhere. If, if you think you can leave your doors unlocked anywhere, it would be out on the outer rim. <laughs> well, what I'm thinking is two ships going along. Granted, I'm sure they're, he's matched their speed yep. exactly. Inertia and velocity are matched. Rotation is matched. 
And so he opens up his door, and, you know, let's never mind that, you know, when he pushes himself off, we'll assume that, you know, there's enough uh, mass in the other ship that he can't adjust its trajectory when he pushes off. I, I'm guessing, I think that it's fair to say that there, that he probably was able to program the ship's computer lock, lock trajectory. Sure. I, I can buy that. Seeing I'm fine with job, that. I just, my suspension of disbelief was this is his job. It's not the first time he's had to do it. <laughs> he's invested in right. something to make it possible. Right, exactly. My point is... There is no way in the world you could ever get me to do something like that. Oh, see, now <laughs> to just go no tether whatsoever. <laughs> just say, okay, I'm just gonna let go. I'm even though it's not a very far distance, scares the crap out of me. Here's my bigger issue with the whole thing. There's no way Serenity is big enough to have its own effective gravity. So how does he stick to the surface of Serenity? Uh, mag boots, I'm mag guessing. No, he does not have mag boots. I watched this three times for it. The way he moves his feet, there's no way that those are mag boots. Well, they're not mag boots that you're familiar <laughs> with. Fine. They're futuristic mag boots. <laughs> I don't know either, man. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we did get, actually, a, a kind of explanation to uh, something I've been complaining about since the first episode. Uh, Jane... And Mal are talking about the guns, and Mal's kind of throwing the fit. And Jane says, "Geez, Mal, they're you know they're soft lead bullets. Even Vera could barely pierce the ship's hull." Yep. Uh, I don't know that I buy it, but I appreciate that they at least tried to throw a bone out there <laughs> to explain it. Well, I I, th- I guess I misunderstood what you were complaining about all those times. I thought you were complaining about bullets bouncing off all over the place. Well, that's certainly one problem, but another problem is piercing the hull. Yeah, I don't think piercing the hole is an issue. Uh, the bouncing thing, I'm totally with you on. Totally with you on. Piercing the hole is a real problem in the space shuttle. Well, I, I get that. I'm just saying... Okay. We're, we're a long ways away from Earth that was. As as Jane is getting lashed for something he didn't do, he says, they also is another reference to his guilt uh, in the aerial. Yep. Yep, sure was. You're absolutely right, Jen. Way to go. Um... Okay, so everybody gets together to have a discussion about River. And to rip on Jane. Yeah. yeah. I, Don't they always do that, though? Yeah, but there was a lot of it. There was a lot of good stuff on Jane. <laughs> this had to be hard for Kaylee, because she had to tell everyone about her shame. Actually, going back to that for a sec, I think I, you brought up a good point. In the, the, the stick scene, I thought Kaylee's reaction, again, as subtle as it was, was very well done. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, you know, Kaylee has to admit, look, I wasn't able to shoot those guys. And and River came in and kind of saved the day. River, who's this, you know, mentally impaired person, and I, who am fine, I couldn't do it, and she could. Uh, I, I think that had to be hard to admit. I think that had to be hard to, to tell people. You're fine, eh? Saying Kaylee. I'm saying you classified classified yourself as fine. No, I'm saying Kaylee was thinking River, who's mentally impaired, could do it, and I could not. I'm not mentally impaired. Okay, then I misunderstood. I was going to take umbrage with uh, you classifying <laughs> yourself as no fine. Th- th- there's no pretension here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, but I did. I did like the whole. Wait, so you're saying she killed them with mathematics? <laughs> that sounds like science fiction. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, 
Okay, so we have an intruder officially, and wait, scary. Sorry, sorry. Well, I want to go back to the yeah. dining room scene. Sorry, yeah, okay. I have, I have a few other things there too. I want to go back to the dining room scene, and one thing I loved about this scene is the comparison of River to Jugal. Um, it's very clear that both of them are a little bit off, and that both of them perceive things. Um, differently, and that other than a few small things, they could very well be the same type of person. But one cor- one correlation I liked there was as they're sitting there talking to the scene, we pan down, and River is sitting on the <laughs> railway in the most awesome stance <laughs> ever. Yes, listening, and then we pan up, and Jubal's listening, and so we had this great correlation of we've got everybody else is sitting there together talking being listened to by two outsiders and not knowing it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I and which is what Whedon talks about. I mean, that's kind yes. of what he was he was going for. Um, I'm really glad I'm not that type of person, like Jubal or um, River. That the odd weird one out. I'm glad I'm not. Here's the thing, Pete. You needed a scapegoat, <laughs> and no one else would put up with me. <laughs> I make you look normal. <laughs> That's how this works. So, which one of you is River, and which one of you is Jubal? <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to Rochambeau on that one. <laughs> um, uh. th- there are a couple other things that I liked in the dining scene. Uh, just, just wanted to briefly talk about. You know, Simon is talking about how River just wants to be a kid. That's, that's what she wants. She is a kid. Um, I think I've talked before on the podcast about how I feel like I didn't really get that much of a childhood because of the things that were going on in my home when I was growing up. And I had an interesting experience last weekend where I've never really been the kid that goes out and plays on a playground. Like when I was younger, I never went and played on a playground. But I went and played on a playground at a park with my kids. And I had absolutely the most fun I have ever had in my entire life. They have this this thing where you sit down on it, and it's just it's a post that comes out of the ground. And it's got a seat mounted to it, and the post is mounted at an angle. So when you sit down, and the seat is on a on a I don't want to say a pulley, but it's on a pivot, on a frictionless pivot. And so when you when you sit down on it, anywhere you lean starts the thing to swing back and forth. And the harder you try to stop yourself from swinging, the faster you accelerate. To the point where I actually went flying across the park. I, like I flew like three to five feet off the thing because I got going so fast trying to get myself stopped, and and I just I could not I couldn't stop riding this thing. I was having so much fun, and my wife's just like, "What is wrong with you? You're an adult. Grow up a little bit." And I'm like, "No, I I didn't get to do stuff like this when I was a kid. It's my turn now." Now we know who's whatever. Well, what what's concerning is, did you ever push any of your children off of a play device so that you could get at it? No, but there was uh, one of the play devices I was going to try, I, like as I was crossing the park to try it, just as I was lifting my foot up to put my foot on it, a kid ducked underneath my foot to sit down <laughs> in it. But I was talking to someone else. I had my head turned and didn't see him. And I put my foot square in his groin. Oh! <laughs> and to, like realized this doesn't feel right, and looked down before I put all my weight on it, and then just kind of fell on my butt so I didn't step on the kid. And I'm just like, 
where did he come from? And the guy's like, you didn't, you didn't see him duck right underneath your foot to take that? And I'm like, no, but you know, good for him. It's a kid's ride. You know, I, I, I can take my turn. It was just weird that he's like, I got to get in there before this guy. <laughs> right in underneath my foot. Very funny. I did have I, one other story about it. They had these swings that are lounge chairs. Have you guys seen these? Mm-hmm. They, they, I mean, it's, it's seriously, it's like a plastic lounge chair attached to chains. The kid sits down in them, and he just sits there because he can't swing because the, the chair is too long. They can't hang their legs down, so they can't kick back and forth to get going. So my kids are both sitting there like, Dad, Dad, come push us. So I came over, and I'm pushing. I got one kid on the left hand, one kid on the right hand. I'm just standing there pushing them, alternating each hand as they come back. And I, I, I'm doing this for about 10 minutes. And there's a, a lady next to me pushing her little kid. And after I've been doing this for 10 minutes, my son turns around and looks at me and says, Dad, I'm kind of getting tired. <laughs> and the lady looks over at me like, what is wrong with your kid? I'm like, I have, I have no idea what's going on here. Apparently, it's exhausting to be pushed. <laughs> so apparently your kid would have fit on the ship in Wally. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the thing. He's, he's normally not like, I think he had just had a long day, and he was trying to tell me, I'm done dealing with strangers for a little while. But it was just funny the way he plays. Like, Dad, I'm kind of getting tired of, of having you push me in the swing. <laughs> um, have you guys ever heard this phrase before? Or is this is this just Jane uh, m- misstating? If wishes were horses, we'd all be eating steak. I've heard it before. Okay, that makes no sense to me. Yeah, like I, think it's a, I think it's a Janeism. Okay. And it was meant to be one of my quotes, you know, because it's just funny, because it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I'm glad it was ridiculous. Who's cause... eating horse steak? <laughs> You'd actually right. be surprised. All right, so the, then the last thing I have here about this scene is, uh, what feels like home to you? You know, we talk about, Simon's telling talking about how River feels more at home on Serenity than she has anywhere else her entire life. And it got me thinking about, where, where do you feel like... Pete, do you feel like this is home to you, this house? When you uh, come here, does it feel like home? Yes. It does. It, it's I your mean, castle. Or, or I should say, it is becoming more and more that way. Okay. Back, back up at... And I think it really has to do with length of time, but you know, back when we were up on the hill, uh, when I was living in, in my apartment, I mean, that felt like home. Like, I would go home to California to visit, and it would feel not foreign, but different. Okay. And it was just sort of like, all right, well, I, I love being at home, but, I mean, this really isn't my place anymore. And, you know, it's time to kind of uh, go back home, get back to my life. Okay. How about you, Brandon? Does my home feel like home? Is that is that what feels like home to you? Or if not, where? Yeah, I think I would have to okay. say it, is, it feels like home. I'll be honest, I kind of expect you to say Bubba's house. And that's a valid point. Uh, I think the biggest reason why it was so readily easy for me to accept the new home as my home is the fact that for, let's see, I lived off and on with my dad for, let's see, at that house, I should say, for 20 some odd years. And Mm -hmm. I'll bet maybe three of them was just me and my dad. Yeah. We always had somebody else there. So it's because it was there was always some kind of outside right influence there. It never really collapsed yeah. into home for you. Okay. Right. 
Uh, it, it was very interesting. I talked to my wife about this as we were contemplating perhaps moving to Denver. And I realized that for me, home is wherever I can find the greatest number of people that I enjoy associating with. So right now here, you know, if I feel right at home with you guys. Uh, you know, when I'm at work, I can feel perfectly at home there because I'm I'm just I'm comfortable. I but I I don't invest it in a place. I invest it in relationships. Whereas my wife, she was she was kind of anxious to move to Denver because right now she does not feel like the place we're living. It doesn't feel like a home to her, and neither does her parents' house. So when we go down and visit. It, it just makes her feel even more alien because she she doesn't feel like she has anywhere that she can call home, and it's very disconcerting for her. It's very uncomfortable for her, and and I just realized, you know what? I I don't know if it's that I don't have anywhere I call home, or it's just that I'm like, you know, what? I'm at home wherever I am. Screw the rest of you. <laughs> I'm just gonna be comfortable. Let me take these pants off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just so we're clear, no pants were actually taken off. All wearing pants. All right, so the intruder. Wait. All right. After the diner scene, I think we get the answer to the question that we were talking about before was, did River actually read these thoughts, or were we seeing her perception of these thoughts? So I think we get the answer to, was River reading the exact thoughts, or were we seeing her perception of the thoughts? Because in the hallway scene, when... Simon and Kaylee are conversing. Simon repeats the exact same yes. thought, yep. but the way he says it has a completely different tone, and there was more caring in his voice that's, towards that's his really sister than when he said it. Yeah, and so never saw it. She she heard the words, but the tone may not necessarily have been right. Whereas here, when we hear Simon say it in his own words. The, the tone feels more genuine, feels more like Simon. I, th right. I think that's a really good point to make, yeah. Okay, we, we have an intruder, Pete. Oh, uh, well, call us, call us. <laughs> I didn't see him come well, in. It's, Where it's is he? It's Brandon. Oh. <laughs> I just made myself right at home, took off my pants, and here we go. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I like his spacesuit. Okay. Um, and it's clear that uh, Jubal is sh both strong and sneaky. <laughs> yeah. Which is not, uh, you know, they're, they're not traits that are usually put together. Yeah. You're usually strong or you're usually sneaky. He seems to be able to do both really well. Be I, I mean, because of the way he attacks Mal, he just quickly reaches out, grabs him with one hand, and holds him there. Doesn't look like he's really straining himself. Yep, I agree. Yeah. And then just drops him. Not only is he strong and sneaky, but you can tell by the way he knows the best method of action for each individual crew member, how to yep. take them out, that he's also done his homework, and he knows how to most efficiently take everyone out. Yeah. You know, I, I think the, uh, the, the strength of the character early comes into play for me the most the very first time we hear him speak as he's addressing Kaylee yes mm -hmm. and disturbing scene right off the bat shock and awe I mean he just he just gets her in her own head so fast you know he let's see uh, he says uh, <laughs> I, I love the line maybe not you know she's like 
He's like, maybe I came down the chimney with presents for all the good boys and girls. Maybe not. Maybe I've always been here. I thought that was kind of, kind of cool the way he did that. You know, the the idea like to play with her mind right there to say, man, has this guy been hiding out on the ship all this time and none of us ever <laughs> noticed? But then to, to make her say, there's nobody that can help me, uh, and and then to ask her, have you ever been raped? And the and the callous. Mm-hmm. And casual way that he addresses the whole scene just really drives home the the depth of depravity that this guy is willing to go to just to make his his life a little more comfortable. I think that scene shows that he is probably the most evil character we've seen so far in the in the series. Uh, I think that this is a uh, a school book for this. Mm, very disturbed type people. A textbook? And and if you want to be able to, you know what, go ahead and mess with some people's heads, you should do what this man does. Yeah, in in fact, I... uh... It's... (laughs) The the way that he is just so dispassionate about a lot of this stuff is just matter of fact. It's not... He's not raising his voice. He's very even-keeled through the whole thing. Well, I think part of that is because to him... He doesn't see that anything he was threatening to do to Kaylee was wrong. To him, it was just it's part of the job, in, a part of the job. Yeah, and I think that's why he's probably the most evil villain we've had. Yeah, the, the, because everybody else was at least <laughs> motivated by something personal. Today. So, so do you guys think sociopath or psychopath? Sociopath. Yes. Okay. Uh, the the note that I actually wrote down, I said, how bad is it that? I think exactly like Early does here. Like, when I think about wanting to make someone do something, you know, that I want to force them, force their hand, I, I like, I think things like this. I don't say them, but I think them sometimes. Golly. Don't. Um, <laughs> but, you know. This, say you want to be strong and sneaky and wear cool <laughs> spacesuits. Don't this, say you want to mentally torture these poor innocent women. This is high villainy taken to the form of art, really, I think, here. I actually would agree with that statement. Um, it's it's just the the quiet nature of the way he is just so deeply unhinged you know and we see it over and over again throughout the course of the thing pardon me his dialogue with simon throughout the course of the episode as they're moving along the all just all the all the different ways that he shows yeah i'm not put together quite right but it's just you know it's the facts of life i deal with it and i'm going to make it work to my advantage i'm going to use it as a weapon speaking of simon is it i mean in society it seems as though we prefer hairless people we would rather humans like the epitome of beauty is hairlessness because if you look at most people as they are portrayed within tv and movies when you see them with <coughs> minor amounts of clothes uh, okay. they're I see hairless. What you're saying. I see what you're saying. I mean, when you look at Simon in the scene, you're, you're shirt talking off. About, you're talking about body hair, not yes. necessarily top of the head hair. Yes, and okay. it, it just seems like that's what society is is trying to say is the epitome of beauty, because that's what television and movies tend to put out there. Because 
I don't believe that people are just frankly that hairless. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Brandon is one of those hairless people. Everyone. <laughs> uh, if by hairless you mean a razorback gorilla, um, it, it uh, it's just is that wrong or is that right of us? It's just a thing I think, but I, it, it was just as I was watching this, it seeing Simon that way made my brain go to that place and think, huh, that's really kind of what we're trying to make. Out, is, is, is it visually is, appealing? Yeah. I yeah. think it's the progression of our dislike for the French and Europeans. <laughs> and a lot of a lot of people consider French to be bad because they don't shave. So as in Americans, we don't want any hair. Oh, uh, I it's, see. It's a good thing we don't have any listeners in France. <laughs> yes. Or at least we don't anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, River is missing. She... Clearly sensed that early was out there. That's actually what woke her up, right? Mm, yes, she, I think so. She sensed that this was coming, and she has made herself scarce. <laughs> um, do, do you think that uh, you know early? Early gets talking about, and I know you touched on this, Brandon, but early gets talking about: Does the room itself have purpose when River is not in her room, or do we imbue the thing with purpose? You guys have any thoughts on that? Like, do, do things have a purpose in and of themselves, or is it only what they do to serve humanity that actually... Questions like that annoy me. Oh. Honestly. I'm sure Brainy Smurf loves questions like those. <laughs> uh, but they just annoy me. Because I, I'm just... I, I... Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I, I it, it doesn't have any... Brainy Smurf, I'd be interested in your answer. <laughs> so, back to that question. Um, and going off of the commentary, Joss mentions that one of his influences in this episode is the book Nausea by Sartre. I'm not sure how to say the guy's name. Um, but he, he references that when he oh, was... Sartre? Sure. That sounds closer to what Joss said. Okay. Um, I'm not sure that he said Sartre, though. He probably said it with the proper French inflection. <laughs> Back to the French. Uh, I, I'm, I've heard Sartre pronounced before, and I think Sartre is a correct, correct pronunciation. Okay. I'm just saying, I don't know that he said it there. I haven't some heard the philosophy. He wrote a book by some philosopher. Read a book. A it, book happened. <laughs> a it philosopher was by a philosopher. Was there. <laughs> Joss at some point either when he was sixteen published it, read it, wrote it. Yeah. Well, he said that when he was sixteen, he came to the epiphany that he has no faith, and to told this to a friend, and they gave him the book Nausea, and he says it is the most important book he has read. It's about the pain of being aware of things being just objects, of just objects in space. And he says in the book there's a comment that says that nothing can exist only slightly, and that the reference to what, you know, what... Yeah, hold that mic closer. Okay. So the reference to, you know, as he goes on a couple different times talking about, you know, what are objects, do objects have meaning, is kind of this book and his influence of this book on him. Um, 
but it you know it's it's a good question. It's it, it's, it's one of those interesting things because it's about that age where everybody kind of starts to wake up to okay, I don't live in my own little teenager you know childhood world of you know. You know, just the people around they start me. start to become self-aware. That, yeah. There, there is awareness that awakens in people that brings them out to the, the point of, okay, I'm, I'm going to start to put together, you know, my personal philosophical beliefs, my moral beliefs. You know, I, I'm going to decide what is, you know, the meaningful things in my life. And it's interesting that he came across a book like that that helped to shape him. Um, I, I think that's why in our religion a lot, we always try and help, you know, we start out at a very young age, reading the scriptures to our children, teaching them about Jesus, so that when they get to the point of the awakening, if we want to call it that, they have this grounding, this basis to say, um, okay, um, I am now starting to think beyond more than just, you know, whatever is around me. Oh, you know what? I was taught a lot of these things here. Now, I, right or wrong, I'm personally going to go ahead and say that that's a right thing to do, to teach your children the scriptures, but that's because I'm a religious guy. But I think you need to be leading your children and helping them from a very young age to understand the world around them. So that when they get to that point... They know how to cope and handle it. Back to the question. Do you have the, the quote, the exact quote that Jubal had regarding the room? Yeah, he said, does the room itself have purpose? Or do we, what's the word? And then he goes off and then he comes back later. Imbue. Okay. Um, I think just by the fact that because it's framed as a room, just by the fact that he's asking the question if the room has purpose, I think means it does have purpose. And he's referencing its purpose, even if he's questioning it. Okay. Um, there's a... I don't remember the guy's name, but it, you know it's similar to the question of, if I tell you don't think of an elephant, what do you think of? Gotcha. Okay. So by even referencing it as a room, he defined it as a room. Okay. Um, all right. So, fast forward here a bit. He manages to lock everybody up um, and takes Simon to say, Hey, where's your sister at? You're going to lead me to her. And then we have a voice from on high. <laughs> the, or body the, voice. the ship actually speaks to Jubal. Back to, I want to reference another point that Joey made earlier when we were talking about River's thoughts, is that as... Jubal is getting Simon to lead him to his sister, they come across a now unconscious book. And Simon asks Jubal, does your work require you to knock out a shepherd? And I and I love Jubal's response of, that's no shepherd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have the... I, 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 I love that everyone, except for Jane, I think, is awake to hear... <laughs> the, yeah. the, this this little uh, soliloquy, I guess, by by River as she explains, they didn't want her here, but she couldn't make herself leave, so she melted. I'm not on the ship; I am the ship. River's gone. You're talking to Serenity, and early, 
Serenity is very unhappy. <laughs> it's just such is so well written the way and, and delivered perfectly by Summer Glau. I can't always say that Summer Glau brings the most emotion to the lines that she delivers, and I don't know if that's because that's just the way she's traditionally directed. Or, or where that comes from. I don't know if that's the direction or, or if it's just the way she acts. But in that line, she definitely had a lot of very raw emotion come through of just that loneliness and that, that heartbreak that it, would, that it would be to hear people talking about you like that and realize, man, these people just don't want me around. I'm, I'm a burden to everyone. And, and that desire that you would then feel to just melt away and, and disappear and then her, her, just the kind of the threat. Serenity is very unhappy. I, I just think that's a very powerful scene, and I, and I really enjoy it. I love that he's managed to read everyone throughout this except for her, and now she's going to start to play the games with him. And, and it's fun because he can't figure it out. He doesn't know where this is coming from, and it's puzzling. And, until she's ready for him, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 okay, okay. I was just gonna say I mean, there's a lot of interesting quotes, but I yes. mean I, I'm yeah. gonna save those for same my here. my I was, quotes. I was having the same the problem. <laughs> um, but essentially, we get to the point where River says, "You know what? I'm gonna give myself up." But along the way, she's been kind of Moving talking the pieces. to each yeah. one of the people and helping them get out of their their predicaments, so that she can get her plan to be brought forth. By the way, this is the moment where when Zoe and Wash are in their chain their room and they're getting ready to come up and do whatever it is that they're supposed to do in this little in this little act here. Zoe picks up her gun and River tells Zoe, "No touching guns." Yes. So that was the, that was the line, that was where it came back from earlier in the episode. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um so she she's going to play the martyr here. You know, early figures out, hey, she's actually over on my ship. You know, after she's been playing around with him this whole time, which really enjoy when she's, you know, talking about his childhood yep. and his stuff. The the camera cuts as you know, yeah, as he's we're seeing maybe a little bit inside him as you know he's reacting to these uh, emotions and these comments, and really really fun. The the commentary. Joss Whedon can't talk more highly uh, of what he does as an actor there to portray these. He's like, you know, uh, we were going with the scene in one direction, and we said, hey, let's just try this real quick. I just want you to react, just whatever she's saying. And he he said it was perfect, and we ended up cutting him in, and at just the that right well times. It, genius. Yeah. Really, it really genius. Sold, it, it, I think it sold the fact that he's not right, he's not all there, and He's in a situation he can't control, and it's causing him to come unhinged. Yeah. Even to the point where he was willing to accept that she was yes. a shit. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, River? 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 Serenity? Serenity? <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. Good stuff. Anyway, so she says, hey, you can come back over here, but you've got to leave everybody else alone. Don't touch them. I'll go with you. So he's like, okay. He gets all of his gear on and starts to head out. Except Simon decides he wants to play the hero, and he's not gonna—he's not gonna let his sister get taken yeah. away and tries to fight. He gets shot, obviously, which comes back to the whole—you know—should the uh, 
should surgeons ever have to get cut on before they get to be surgeons? Which I think I, was a valid point. No, you Absolutely, think that's valid? That was a valid point. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that they. I think it would be useful if they've had major surgery at some point in their life. I don't know that I want to say, okay, you, you've gotten to this point in your life, you're already, you've done everything else required to pass the bar, but you haven't yet had major surgery, so we're going to take something out. <laughs> you get to pick what. If they haven't had surgery, <laughs> you just shoot them in the leg. I think it was an absolutely valid point that... Oh, I, I, don't I don't think the shooting or the stabbing is the point. I think the point is no, so that they can have some empathy for their exactly. patient. Exactly. And, and and I think that that's a good idea. I don't June, know that I'm willing to see it enforced as law. Okay, you're, you're, you're both agreeing with the crazy man, just so we're clear. I already that. made it How clear, I think, like this. Like if you haven't done it, was perfectly valid. <laughs> Whatever you Okay, do. so we, or we go outside the ship, and we see what I think is probably the most bone-harrowing thing I've ever seen on television. Although, I guess this technically wasn't seen on television, was it? Nope, this was, no, it was, it was not aired. When Mal gives Early a shove out there, they're not tethered down, they're not attached to anything, and he just pushes him into outer space knowing full well exactly what that's going to mean. Yeah. That was just, I mean, that it, it's horrifying. It is, is one, it is a horror scene. Yeah. Uh, I, that's part of what I was trying to get at when I was, when I mentioned it at the beginning, where he comes down... And just scares the heck out of me. Yeah. Like, you're not tethered to anything. A little space rock comes along, pushes you out of the way. You're like, flailing, reaching, <laughs> reaching. Nope, nothing as, there. As they just keep sailing I'm slowly. <laughs> and, and I, you try to swim. I think that's why Jubal's very last line of the episode was so great. It's like, well, here I am. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So, let's see, I missed point, uh, oh, the Jane rolling over and just going to sleep <laughs> with all of the, the fighting going on. It's pretty funny, typical Jane. Um, and then, at the very end, the playing of Jax. Yeah. And, you, you know, before that, there's actually a scene that I, I think is actually a, a very beautiful moment. It's the scene where River comes to Mal. And request permission to come aboard. Yeah, and yeah. She, she's lucid, and she's all there, and they have that just this beautiful moment between the two of them as kind of a almost a father figure daughter kind of relationship that they have here. And he tells her, "You know what? I am. I'm glad. I can't remember the words he uses. Yeah, yeah that's why I say I'm. I think this is a really, really good episode to end. If you're gonna yeah, pick I, any of them, this is the one to end the series with because of." She's the last one. She's finally accepted and included. She's a part of the team, the family, the dynamic, whatever you want to call it. What I really liked was how the beginning of this episode and the ending of this episode were very, very similar. And what I mean by that is we begin with a planet, yep. the ball. Exactly. We go through the ship to River. We follow River as she goes through the ship and meets everybody. We end it with a single shot that started with the surgery, taking out the bullet, we have, and it kind of shows it, it. It it shows that she is now part of the crew. But we start in the infirmary, where we've got Zoe and Wash operating on Simon, and then we take that out, and we Mal have Malin and Ara. Then we go up. We follow the camera up through the ship, and there's Book and Jane working out, and then we come back, and there's Kaylee and River sitting and playing again. So one. She's now included in that shot instead of yeah. being an outsider. And we know that Kaylee has overcome her fear of 
of River. And then we end it with the ball, River, and a fade out through the ship. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Pete, here's why I hesitate to agree with you that this is the best way to end the series. If I had been Joss Whedon, and I knew all, I knew everything we know now about the timing of everything and how things would get canceled and stuff, I would have ended this series on Mal after Out of Gas sitting up and saying, y'all are going to be here when I wake up, right? Mm-hmm. And then laying back down. I think that would have been the perfect way to end the series. Yeah, maybe. That, that's why I hesitate. Okay, Pete, do we have listener comments? Yeah, we have several. We've got, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four. Letter G, please. I don't have one of those. <laughs> Do four. Four. Listener M. Captain Brevity. Hey, guys, just a few thoughts about the final episode this week. Pete is right about the fireworks. Ah, glad. They were blasting fireworks three houses down, mortars. Big ones. Huge. Uh, He continues, maybe we can set up some sort of vigilante group to go after the users of the illegal fireworks. (laughs) Also, (laughs) you're not invited, Joey. (laughs) Uh, Also, too many people show up at Sugar House Park for the fireworks show. People should just go to the shows near their own towns. I gotta say that now that aerials are illegal in the state of Utah, I just have to go out my front door and I get just as good a show as if I would have went to the Sugar House. But I don't have to deal with people. Yeah. Um, I watched the first episode of the Sherlock show. By the way, before we go on, yes, I would like to be able to get together and become a vigilante group with you. Uh, I, I think that that is a great idea. Uh, I just, it wouldn't be hard to find them. You just watch <laughs> for the ones, you know, getting shoot, shot off. And then just, you know, we'll need a fast car. Do we need? Do you need to stop at fireworks, though? Can we extend? Well, it's really only the fireworks that I'm that passionate about. Oh, I bet you I can get you riled up over other things. I want to know if he. You form the vigilante group, and I will get you riled up enough to go after them. (laughs) You will bring me the uh, villains. (laughs) I think you're short-sighted at just fireworks. Okay, we'll start at fireworks. We may build to jaywalking. Okay, back to listener M. I watched the first episode of The Sherlock Show. It's better than the Robert Downey Jr. movie. Even if he doesn't play Khan in the next Star Trek, I bet Benedict Cumberbatch uh, <laughs> Close. <laughs> is, is still really creepy. Should be a great movie. I'm excited to watch Battlestar Galactica with the podcast again. Objects in Space. Apparently, the super bounty hunter leaves his car unlocked. It was a pretty smart. It was pretty smart of River to go over and hang out on his ship. That it is the last place Simon would think to look. Anyhow, catch you guys next week, Mark. Like I said, if there's anywhere to leave your, you could leave your doors unlocked. It's on the outer rim of space. <laughs> I appreciate that Mark continues to live up to his name, Captain Brevity, M. That's even the, see that reinforces it. If we just call him M. How much more brief can you get than but one see, you're letter? you're missing the irony of Captain Brevity. Even if we said, mmm, that's like several M's. <laughs> M, right there. You can't get more brief than that. Except for I think of Judy Dench. Well, sure. I mean, there's that too. 
Have you ever seen this guy? I can get more briefs than that. Eh. Yeah, but that that's not even part of his name. <laughs> it's the first uh IPA symbol in the word the sound for M. Eh. All right. Uh we'll be looking for a new uh <laughs> guest host. <laughs> Good luck. I'm taking the microphones. <laughs> Okay, let's do uh, listener Bob. He says, Hi, fellas. I would like to preface this email by sending out my condolences to the victims of the shooting at the Dark Knight Rises screening in Denver earlier today. It's sad to see another incident such as this in the U.S., which is purely tragic. Um, On a happier note, SpongeBob and I have seen The Dark Knight Rises and will not give our views until you have seen it. Do let us know, as we don't want to spoil it for anyone. Um, Yeah, how did you find out about the the shooting, Joey? Because I heard about it this morning when I woke up. I I wake up to a a radio program that does the news. Uh, I, I get a daily political email, and it came in saying, Oh, hey, look, the... There's a whole bunch of people coming out of the woodwork to blame this shooting on Republicans. Apparently I'm sad for both people. The ones who blamed it on the Republicans and the ones who then continue to talk about it. Yeah. That's, 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 why, that's why I gave the face I did, because I'm not proud of the way I learned yeah. about it. And it's not an email I like. I, I, I don't... Like look at this email and go. Oh, this is this is great fodder for my campaign. For, I, forward to my entire mail book. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't do anything like that. I, I read these emails to say, okay, at least I'm not that weird yet. <laughs> I'm not that guy. <laughs> Brandon, what about you? How did you hear about it? Sadly, I heard about it on Twitter first. Why, wait, why do you not? Why sadly about Twitter? Because he's ashamed to admit that he tweets. Oh. No, I'm not ashamed to admit that I tweet. <laughs> I'm just ashamed to admit that that was my first news source, source of va- valid news of the day. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. usually, usually my first source of news for the day is ESPN. Yeah, we'll, we'll agree with you on that, Bob. Uh, it's really, really sad to, to have that happen. And once again, within... I mean, it's very... It's near... Denver is near Columbine, which we all kind of remember what happened in Columbine, yeah. you know, 10 or so years ago. Um, Bob continues... On to this week's episode, Objects in Space. I'm not sure how I feel about this episode. Firefly was so cruelly cut short that it is difficult to judge this as a series finale as it doesn't wrap anything up. Of course, that is what Serenity is for. I will probably treat the, uh, treat this another episode as another episode. Uh, it is wonderfully expository episode regarding river and abilities which can either make make you love river or make you afraid of her abilities such as her shooting a gun with her eyes shut and her telepathic powers uh, has led to a very quick character development she is essentially a weapon for the crew of serenity a bit of foreshadowing if we could ring the bell nope no bell ding that was not a very you know I'll I'll splice it in later. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, It can be seen as a very cerebral episode, much like a chess game between River and Early, Mm. but River being two or three steps ahead. His reactions when River is conversing with him over the intercom are entertaining, 
but also slightly creepy because as viewers, we are still unsure of what River can do. I give this a very solid 7. All right. Uh, let's do... Brainy Smurf. Dolls in Space. Nobody is creepier than Early. The character is like a first draft of the operative in Serenity. I really did not appreciate how when uh, Whedon jabbed us with the idea of Kaylee getting raped. Twice. Is it really necessary for us to have to picture her dying in tears? Twice? I think it could have been div- delivered in other ways. Um, as could that lion part. But I did, however, really enjoy the existentialism. River's recounting of melting into serenity is very layered in concept. It reminds me of a Buddhist parable known as the salt doll. I'm sure the Joss was at least inspired by this. It can be told in many ways. But basically, a salt doll comes to... Uh, comes into the jungle and wants to figure out what it is. It goes around asking everyone, and they don't know. But finally, Rafiki tells the doll to go talk to the ocean. The doll jumps in the ocean, uh, uh, jumps in, and the ocean says, <laughs> Oh, I, I'm supposed to read this in an ocean voice. <laughs> I, I don't know what a... Hey, you... Oh, I get it. Those are waves crashing. <laughs> That's the best I could do. Um, it's nice to get it. And River really does love Serenity. TV 9, Sci-Fi 7, Western 7. Western. Okay. Last email. Okay. This is from John Madsen. Hey! He's my friend. <laughs> By proxy. <laughs> He says, I likely won't be around for the series wrap-up. I don't know where the sacred bunker is, and I'm also going to watch Batman instead. (laughs) So, when this email first came across, uh, or sorry, yeah, this email, I just saw the first line. So I quickly pulled up and sent him a text. I'm like, hey, dude, we're just doing it here at the house. And, oh, by the way, can I watch that Captain America? (laughs) And so he just texted me back and was like, yeah, do whatever you want with Captain America. Um, but, uh, yeah, then later on I read it and I was like, oh. <laughs> he wasn't coming anyway. What a dumb Even if he knew. Yeah. Um, he continues, No doubt you're going to have the inevitable discussion about how much better Firefly would have been if it had stayed on the air for a few years. Um, okay, we haven't had that discussion yet, so let's do that now. Well, clearly it's inevitable. Okay. I think we've covered everything there then. <laughs> um, of course, I'm saddened that we don't have more Firefly episodes. But I'm also of the opinion that if Firefly went on, the first these first 14 would still pretty much be the best ones. Interesting. It's strictly conjecture. And we have no way of knowing, and I could be very, very wrong. But that's how I feel. Yes, most television shows hit their stride in the third year or so. But Firefly isn't like most shows. It hit the ground running from the beginning, and everything really fell into place as far as the setting, characters, and chemistry go. It felt like the third season of something really, really good. Every once in a while, this happens. Arrested Development is a good example. 
It was on for three hilarious seasons, but many would argue that the first season was its height. I hope we keep this in mind as we gear up for what could be a disappointing return. Firefly also reminds me of the first season of TOS Star Trek. Most old school Trekkers will say that the second season of TOS was where they started hitting the marks. But I will absolutely say that the first season of TOS is head and shoulders above the others. I I just have to stop you and ask, did he actually say old stool TOS fans? (laughs) He might have. (laughs) He might have. Of course, maybe saying it wouldn't have gotten better is just my way of coping with how short a stay Firefly had. Um, There's a line that I've been meaning to comment on but haven't heard it yet. So I must have missed it. Maybe it's in the movie. If it is, you can save this uh, for next week. Um, Wash. That sounds like something out of science fiction. Zoe. Honey, we live in a spaceship. Funny line. But it would never be said right. Uh, But it would never be said, right? No matter how good things get, nobody would ever think they were living in science fiction. Um, you, that sounds like something out of science fiction. Me, honey, we're video conferencing right now. Anyway, Firefly is great, though. Um, I wasn't planning to have this conversation, uh, you know, this discussion about what would have happened. Um, because so much of what happened in, like, the West Wing season one, which was awesome, we look back you know, from season two and three, and we're like, wow, that was really kind of rough, yeah, you know, in, in a yeah. few different places. Would it have actually gotten better? Would we have looked back and said, no, season one, that, that I, was I think fine. Firefly had a chance to, to do that. I think Firefly had a chance to be something stronger in the later seasons because I, I think we can trust the the, the writing of Joss Whedon in the extent that he knows how to bury the secret, how to bury the, the, the plot device and let it develop over years and years, which to me is one of my favorite things to have happen in a TV show in a, in a book series, it, anywhere you see it develop when you, when you see just moments before the delivery of the plot device, you go, Oh, Oh, that's what he's been building for all this time. I get it now. That that moment when you realize what the creator what creator of the series was doing. I think we have enough evidence of what Joss has done in the past, what he's done since then, uh, to say he, he does. He builds. And this was, as strong of a start as it was, I think it had the potential to go up even further. I've got two thoughts on this. The first thought is, on the, on the two examples we have where Joss actually made it past the first season, both of those shows got immensely better later on in their runs. What, what's, what, uh, I, I can't agree with you on this. I was, I was going to go, I was going to wait, but what shows are you talking about? Buffy and Angel. I, I disagree. I think Buffy first season and Angel first season were way better than the Not, rest of the crap that, that Buffy came after. Se- season two Halfway through season two to the end of season three, I think was by far the best part of that run. Hey, quiet. <laughs> and as for Angel, Angel got better when he stopped treating it as the spinoff of Buffy 
and started treating it as its own show once we got past season three and four. Season five to me was the best, but season two and season five of Angel were my favorite parts of that series. Season Even two of be- Buffy. Season two of Angel. Oh, season two of Angel. I like okay. season two okay. of Angel. I don't remember Even the beginning going of five. season three of, of Angel. Season yeah. five was, was when he was, was the last one, right? That's the one, that's the one Aaron watches over and over and over again. It's I've one, seen season it five. It was the one where he was in charge of Wolfram and Hart, and, it, and he, it's the season that had the puppet episode in it. I never saw it. Oh. I, I was just so unhappy with the direction that they were taking things. That See, season, I, mean, I got turned off in season four when yeah. we had uh, Gina Torres. Season four does not exist. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I'm 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 with you there. Season one, my biggest problem Season five is when you got Jane. Yes, it is. Adam I don't remember. I didn't ever... Like I said, I barely watched it. In fact, that was about the point where all of the Firefighter class were showing up in both Buffy and Angel. (laughs) Mal became Caleb and Buffy. Anyways, um... Okay. My biggest problem with the (laughs) first season of Angel is it was good, but it was too much of this is the spinoff of Buffy. And that's what I loved. To me, the show hit its stride when it became its own show. When it had its own identity. So it, it's clear from this discussion that every one of the Firefly fans out there are going to be having their own opinion. Right. Sure. The sec- Obvious. The second thought I had about it is watching this since Serenity the movie has come out and knowing that Jocelyn said that Serenity would have taken place around the middle of the third season. From what I know of watching TV, there was a lot in this episode that you could tell were quarter marks, I would say. Things that were were being set up at the quarter mark of a story that he was trying to tell. Um, A lot of it with Kaylee and Simon were quarter marks of them starting to come together, but still going to have a lot of more frustration for the next couple years. And kind of going back to what Joey was saying, I think Joss's biggest strength was the fact that he liked to set things up um, and then reference them again later. And I think as you go through watching these first 14 episodes, you could tell that this was the beginning and only the quarter of what he wanted to do. And I think had we gotten the chance to tell it, that not only would it have gotten better, and I love the movie Serenity, but it would have been a whole lot better than even the movie was. Okay, question for the, for you, for us. Do we think, had the show continued, that we would have seen Jewel early again? Yes. Hold on. Before we get into that, you never said that I can tell whether you think it would have gotten better as it went on. Uh, no, I'm of the opinion that... This, that is, this is as good as it got. This is what Joss does. He makes awesome first stuff, and then it never really follows through. He, it's still okay. It's not bad. I mean, because I liked Angel, I liked Buffy, I watched Angel or Buffy all the way through to the end. Buffy, uh, uh, I watched Buffy all the way through to the end. I did not follow Angel all the way through. Um, I never really got into Dollhouse. Um, I, I just don't know that he's got the staying power to uh, with enough of the story to keep it going. Because, as you've mentioned, Serenity becomes you know the middle of what season three was going to be. Where's the what's the rest? You know what else is there going to be? I just don't Loose personally up. feel as though that there was going to be enough of okay. a draw. I want me me personally. I want to answer your question. Blue Sun. Blue Sun was the overall 
in the game. Sure, I see. It seemed of, to be you know prevalent in. in J- Jossie said that he had five to six seasons panned out in his mind. The Hands of Blue and Blue Sun were the end game, I think. Hmm. Well, I would have been a okay with learning more about the the guys with the blue hands. Oh, the the one thing I think, Pete, that supports your argument is what they did with the Shepherd book backstory in the comic books. Sure. Now, I have a question. If Firefly hadn't gotten cancelled, would it be as revered? No, no. I, I think it would be big. I think it could be potentially as big as Buffy. I don't know that it would have attained the cult status because everybody likes to look back and point fingers and say, oh man, you screwed up. You, and that's what I think so many fans love to draw on. Yeah, and that's how it attains the cult status. I think it's it's a combination of that and the and the what if. I mean, yes, we sure, know yeah. we know what happened in Serenity. Yeah, but it's the what if. It, right. How did we get from objects in space to Serenity? Where were we going after that? Okay, you answered my question, Brandon, about Jubal early. Joey, what do you think? Yeah, I think so. You think we would? You the, think the he fact that made he didn't die in- on camera? I think indicates that. He he was meant to be a recurring character, right? Okay, okay, yeah. I'm I would have been okay with him dying or coming back. I love the character. Okay, really good. We done with emails? I think so. Okay, yeah. Pete, you got to give us quotes and then a TV rating. Quotes first. Okay. Um, she killed him with math. <laughs> Um, if wishes were horses, then we'd all be eating steaks. I said that to listener Fishhead today. Uh, he came by the office, and I was chatting with uh, um, uh, Daniel, and I, I mentioned that to, to Fishhead. The look on his face was just complete and utter <laughs> puzzlement. Well, what? That that doesn't make sense at all. And I said, Yeah, that's just a Jainism. You know, that that's just what Jane says. Um, then of course the quote you ever been raped just again just so deadpan yep. on that no no emotion through it at all I don't think of myself as a lion <laughs> I have a mighty roar absolutely hilarious <laughs> that is a pretty good one just you know two people missing the conversation between each other <laughs> and, and, and like when he realizes what happened, he's like that was weird. <laughs> um, uh, Simon saying, I can't keep track of her when she's not incorporeally, incorporeally possessing the ship. Um, the Let's see. I, oh, that's somewhat unsettling. I don't remember who said that. Yeah, Early says it when he's like, that's impossible. Nobody can do that. And uh, Kay, uh, Rivers' response is the giggle. She she just does this creepy <laughs> giggle that and it like echoes around the room in a funny way and he's like that's somewhat unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, and then uh, uh, wash at the end. Can I mop your brow? <laughs> <laughs> it's just it was fun. Random. Okay. Uh, TV rating. Yes. You know I want to give this. I wrote an eight. I'm gonna go nine. I'm going to say nine on this. Okay. It's really, really cool. Okay. I, I have a, a handful of, or maybe one or two other quotes. Uh, 
I hope she does the soup thing. It's always a hoot, and we don't all die from it. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very good quote, Joey. Uh, And then, psychic, though? That sounds like something from science fiction. You live in a spaceship, dear. So? (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're all locked in their quarters. There's nobody that can help you. Say it. Again, like I said, making her say it just strips her of any empowerment in that scene. It's just creepy and, and good. Uh, well, well portrayed, I should say. Not good by any means. <laughs> and then uh, River, they didn't want her here, but she couldn't make herself leave, so she just melted away. Uh, for a TV rating, I'm also giving this a 9. I think this is... Uh, just a strong all-around episode of television. There is only one thing that I can think of to nitpick about this episode, and Pete, I sent you a screenshot of it earlier today. Yeah. (laughs) It Uh, took me a second to even figure out what you were talking about. I didn't even see where you had circled it in red. uh, Okay. Like, I honestly, like, I was looking around at all this. At first, I I looked at the, the picture of Alan Tudyk sitting in a chair, and I thought... Well, he looks really small in that chair. <laughs> Are they trying to point out that he's like ridiculously small and like they had to build this, you know, oversized chair to like get him propped up higher on the table <laughs> so he's, you know, at adult height with everyone else? And so that, in the scene where they're, where Kaylee's telling him all about the, the gun fight that she saw River, or the gun heroics that she saw River perform, as they are starting to go down through the floor so that we can see that River is listening in, just off to the side, there's a person in the shot reading along. I think they're reading along with the script. And it's not any of the characters. It's not any of the crew member. It's not Jubal Early. It's just some old guy, white guy wearing black like horn-rim-style glasses Bent uh, over, leaning on the table, reading along on the script, I think. I, the- I couldn't even make out that much of it. But you can tell it's a humanoid. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that for sure. Pretty funny. Anyway, Brandon, quotes and uh, reading. So, a couple quotes. Um, you guys mentioned most of the ones. Yes. but the, the ones We stole I, all the good ones. Yeah. The ones that stood out to me was, in the dining room, they're talking about the knife. And, and here's part of it. They don't have the part I like, but... Uh, Sir, I know she's unpredictable, but I don't think she'd harm anyone. Butcher's knife. Anybody we could spare. And then they play back to it again later of something that she, she won't hurt it. And Jane once again mentions, do you not remember her coming at me with the butcher's knife? And, and Wash goes, ah, wacky fun. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is, let's see. You know, with the exception of one deadly and unpredictable midget, this girl is the smallest, smallest cargo I've ever had to transport, yet by far the most troublesome. Does that seem right to you? Simon, what do you do, Jubal? Her, who? The midget. Arson. The little man loved his fire. <laughs> I, I like he was constantly asking people, does that seem right to you? Does that seem right to you? Yeah. He tells uh, Inara, you know, man is by far stronger than woman, but only woman can carry children. Does that seem right to you? Yes. He, he asked at several points in the episode. I thought that was kind of... Part a, of it, I wonder, is that really him? Or is he screwing with everybody's heads? That's just part of the game he's playing. Yeah, I think it was part of the game. I, I, I enjoy it more if I think it's part of the game. Okay. And, and then one more quote. Your sister's becoming a real annoyance. I feel for you. <laughs> okay. Do you have a television rating? I would give it a 9-2. I love this episode. A 9-2. 
Pete, science uh, fiction. I'm going to go ahead and say this is an eight for science fiction. It's one of the very, very high science sci-fi episodes that we have out there. I mean, it's all contained within the ship. It's a guy moving, you know, around. You all said, hey, that's very plausible. He could move from ship to ship that way. I'm going to say an eight. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. I, I don't have any strong thing I want to take away from it. But I just felt like it was mostly character development and interpersonal relationship, not so much about the science fiction-y aspects of it. Yeah, show. but we had this this person, we were seeing everything from River's perspective. Yeah. And it just was a beautiful way of Look, man, of I gave it a seven. That. I gave it a seven. Well, then you're really not going to like mine, because I'm going to say five. <laughs> I just, there wasn't a lot of sci-fi. I guess you could consider River and the um, the psychicness of it. Well, the ship-to-ship transfer. The ship-to-ship stuff. transfer That's was about fiction. it. But for the most part, I agree with Joey that this is mainly about the characters, the relationships to each other, and more so the relationship to River. Um, I just, yeah. Pete, did you have a Western rating? No, I did not have a Western rating. Why I, would you I, even ask? I gave it a zero. I at least gave it a rating. Yeah. Brandon, did you want to give it a Western rating? Uh, I'll give it a zero one for the acceptable. scene with the with the wood. In okay, the, 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 the old in the, the forest scene. Okay. Yeah, I'll give all it right. a one. Moving on to season wrap up, we and, have and uh, series wrap up. Series wrap up. Um. Everybody liked it? Everybody's happy with Firefly? Yeah. As a season? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, I no changes Curtis there. Nobody wants again. to do more episodes, so that's good. <laughs> We're all happy with what we Actually, got. Technically, I would like to do more episodes. <laughs> Brandon, uh, Brandon's the only one. Uh, I've got emails. Should we do the emails first? Absolutely. Okay. We're going to do listener... Now we're going to do uh, Brainy Smurf first. He says awards. Bit part goes to Badger. Okay. I, I, saw, I knew that was coming from at least one person. Or Inara's Lady Lover. <laughs> which, I mean, really, we just had her for the gratuitous... Uh, I'll be in my bunk. Neck, ...naked scenes. Um, but, uh, hey. Hot... Oh, wow. Seriously, Brainy? <laughs> Seriously with this decision? Ah. <sighs> Hot chick, Kaylee. All right. Favorite episode, <laughs> Janestown. Hmm. Goes with the uh, the humor aspect. Favorite character, Book. Nice. I like that. Interesting. Okay. Favorite term, Prairie Harpy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do a favorite term. Did you do a favorite <laughs> no, term? No, I didn't. We don't need to either. Favorite Mandarin. Zhao Gao, which rotten is cake. Uh, rotten cake. Yeah. See you, dude, next week, Ambassador Brainy. Did, did I tell you guys about my experience trying to now talk to my boss who's from China and use no. Chinese I learned from Firefly? No. <laughs> no. You mentioned that you've done it a couple okay. of times, but right. that was about it. But I think I probably mentioned enough. I, I didn't know if there was, you know... This week in Awkward Moments with Joey's Boss. <laughs> no, not yet. Yeah, job, right? Not, not yet. Uh, okay, Listener Bob says about series wrap-up. Best episode, Ariel. 
The most entertaining wow. episode overall had a bit of everything that is meant to be in a space opera and also added plot points to move the story along. Hmm. Don't know why I would have chosen that, but that's all right. That's if the, This is his list. Worst episode, The Message. Uh, I probably should rewatch this, but it didn't do anything for I guess I kind of see how he said that. Best character, Malcolm Reynolds. The man makes Kirk look like a sissy. Ooh, you know, it's a good thing that John isn't here isn't right here. now. Because He'd be having a fit. There, there would be you know, expletives, I'm sure, uh, aimed at Bob for that. Um, Bob, we still like you. You oh, can yeah, write in absolutely. the Trekless 5. Absolutely. <laughs> Worst character, a toughie. All the main characters were brilliant, although Nishka is pretty despicable. Hot Chick, a toss-up between Inara and Yosaf Bridge. You guys choose. <laughs> we'll just put those two in a room and say, fight! And then whoever comes out the winner. That's who I say is the winner. Who do you think would come out the winner? Uh, well, where's, I don't know. Where's your, where's your money in that fight? I, we'll have to see. Favorite moment. Are you saying you're going to make this happen? <laughs> or that it did happen and I have videotape of it. I don't have that. <laughs> Favorite moment. Mal threatening to toss Jane out of the airlock after betraying mm. Simon and River. Good choice. That's my two cents for this week. I look forward to Serenity. All the best, Bob. Yeah, I'm glad that he enjoyed this because when it first started out, it seemed like he didn't really seem to get on board with this. Yeah. I was just sort of like... I think he had trouble engaging. Wait, seriously? But, hey, I'm glad. I'm glad he liked it. Okay. That's, okay. that's all we've got. Uh, nothing else from Mark or Okay, so Pete, friends. you have not yet installed the whiteboard that I've requested multiple times. Uh, I haven't seen that uh, submitted in paper. I submitted it in triplicate. Where? Or email. I would have accepted it at, by I, email. I, I, I believe I gave it to... All right, well, intern, um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure what's going on with you. He's usually so much more reliable, too. <laughs> He's fulfilled, like, every single one of the requests that we've made. Has he? Yeah. Have we made any requests? <laughs> Several, I feel. Okay, so let's just start off. Favorite bit part, Peter. Okay, I'm, I, I know this is happening really, really suddenly, but Jubal early. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, the most interesting of all of the other characters. There were some, you know, great fun ones that we did see that I liked, but Jubal Early for me steals the show. That man, that actor, just took the ball and ran with it and scored a touchdown. He he was just amazing. Loved him. Okay, I'm gonna go with Nandy from Heart of Gold. Although I didn't love the really? episode. Although I didn't love the episode. I loved what the character of Nandi did and how she forced Inara and Mal into facing something that they'd been dancing around for a year or more. Uh, okay. I, I love the way the character was used as a plot device. Well, so Joey, uh, deep at heart, is really just a sappy guy who just wants a Harlequin novel <laughs> you know, love story. Brandon, <laughs> favorite bit part? I'm going to go with the port compression coil. Ah. Ah. Well, well, well selected, sir. Well selected. <laughs> because I can find no fault with your choice. <laughs> it, it appears it is appears or is referenced in multiple episodes, including the movie. 
Oh, I don't remember it being in the movie. It is in the movie. Okay. We haven't seen the movie yet, so we'll it take your ha- word. It hasn't for it. happened yet. <laughs> uh, okay. Most hated character. I am going to go with uh, Carlos Jacket. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his last name. Who plays Lawrence Dobson, the Fed from the pilot? You episode. didn't like him. I don't like the character at all. I don't. I don't even like hating him. I just don't <laughs> care for the character. You know, there are those guys that just enjoy them because. You, you like to hate them. You like to see him come back. I'm glad he died and was gone. I hate the idea that he came back in the comic books, which someone expressed to me. That just upsets me because I did not care for the character whatsoever. Wait, before the fact or after the sh- the gunshot? After the gunshot, he comes he back. back. after. I thought he died. No, no, he wasn't dead. I know, right? Right? Way, way to ruin that whole scene, wow. right? Wow. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, Brandon. All right. Most hated character. I can't remember the character's name, but it's the guy he dueled with in Shindig. Atherton Wing. Atherton, Atherton Wing. Wing. And that's my choice as well. I just, I did not care for the guy one bit. It couldn't was a one-dimensional character. Couldn't wait for that whole thing yeah. to be over with. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Brandon. Hot chick. Mm. Ah. Mm. By the way, your wife will be listening to this. Probably not. Well, <laughs> I will call her up and play this portion of the podcast. <laughs> you know, Jane and Safe. Wait, 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 wait. No, no. I'm tempted to say Jane and Safe just jokingly. <laughs> but I'm kind of with the reader on the whole Yosef Bridge and Nara, but I think I go Yosef Bridge. Okay. Wasn't it Mal, not Jane, that was in the dress? They, I think they might have both been in a dress. No. No, no it, was, it was Mal because by... It was Mal. By... It was. What was it? He said something about his frilly bonnet. Okay, uh-huh. so Mal in safe. <laughs> Which well, actually Bridge. would be a little bit better looking than Jane. In so, so you're going with Christine Hendricks, though? Yes. Okay. Uh, Saffron. Yeah. Oh, I saw, my goodness. I saw that one coming. Oh, like, my. That woman I saw that one coming two years away. Most lovely woman that has ever been designed. She is amazing. <laughs> Loved her. Love her. You know, I already know how Pete feels about this, but I'm going with Jewel State. Yeah. As Kaylee. There Man. is just something about the character of Kaylee. It's her wholesomeness or something. I don't know what it is. But, but you're it, I, so depraved. I find it attractive. Uh, all right, back to Pete for favorite villain. Uh, this is a tough one um, because I think ugh, Niska or the Blue Hands. Oh, tough one. It is because I love the guys with the blue hands. They just as soon as they come on the screen for me, it's like. Oh my gosh, I am paying attention to whatever is going to go on with these guys. But Nishka is just such a creepy, <laughs> creepy dude. Just cutting on people for the sake of cutting on them. Uh, 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 two by two, hands of blue. Right. They gotta be the. They got. They have to be the best villain for me. You know, I'm going with Richard Brooks as Jubal Early. Okay. This is, as I said earlier, villainy taken to the art form level. There is no one that I can think of more villainous in any form of media. Maybe some as villainous, but none more villainous than Jubal Early. Okay. I think, as I mentioned before, that in the what could have been, I'm going to go with Blue Sun because I think they were the overall theme. But I am with P. 
pee on a lot of them. I want to say that I agree that Jubal is the most evil villain. And it was a close, but I have to go with 2x2, two two, Hands of Blue, slightly over Nishka. Okay. Mm-hmm. Joey, your uh, favorite, funniest moment? Uh, I'm going with Jane's folk song. And the characters' reactions <laughs> there, too. I just, I, I love everything about that entire scene. You know, as, as like, the way Simon's playing with his face, and he's like, no, I was wrong. This must be what going mad feels like. And, you know, Wash, I want to go to the place where I'm, a crappy little town where I'm a hero. I just, everything about this plays with the expectation of the brain. And it's just, there are so many things that work in that scene. Brandon. Um, I think funniest moment for me. Uh, it's tough to choose, isn't it? It is tough to choose. I, I like the I like the scene in Safe with when they're coming up in the at the beginning of the episode. Okay. In the uh, I just had so many. Anything? I think I'm gonna go with the statue part of Jane because it just set that whole uh-huh. ep- on its on its it just said that whole episode of when they just okay. walk into the statue. Okay. Uh, th- this is tough. We all know. I'm going to say honorable mention goes to anything? Well, not unless these planks are made of you know, <laughs> magical, magical wish-granting wish planks. The crate was made of uh, magical wish-granting planks. So, so funny. Which is, which is hilarious considering the fact that that's a really, like mentally astute type of joke to make. Yeah. Which is totally anti-Jane's character. He really shouldn't be making a joke like that. <laughs> that joke should come from could from from Kaylee, from Book, from Inara. Simon? From from Simon, sure. Not from Jane though. Yeah. That is just too much of a cerebral you know, I can come up with that on the spur of the moment. Well the thing that's I think that's what makes it play so well though, is because it's like a part of your brain goes, yeah, Jane might actually believe there's a chance that this is these are magical witch-granting blanks. Uh, in the end, I'm going to agree with you, Joey. The 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 whole Janestown thing. I mean, I, I guess if I could just pick Janestown. Yeah, I almost said the, the episode of Janestown. Uh, I, I, I could get away with it, but I, I liked your characterization of it. it that, that was good. I, I, I also think that there's a, an honorable mention that should go out to the moment where they tell Simon that Kaylee died. Yes, and they play with the whole audience. I'm like, a bad, we're, bad man. We're all convinced there for just that moment that Kaylee's actually dead, and oh man, what is Mal gonna do to this guy? Yeah. Since I want to be different from you two, I'm actually gonna change mine too. Okay. I do believe that woman is planning. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, we are on to top five episodes. Nope. Sorry. Hated episodes. Hated episodes, Brandon. And you don't have to have five. You can just do whatever, whichever ones are at the bottom of your list. First and foremost, Shindig. I just that's your most hated. It's my most hated Mm. episode. We usually go work up to the most hated, but put it at five as well. (laughs) (laughs) Is that also two, three, and four? No. Um, The train job. I didn't like the train job. Um, Just I get what the train job was about. It was the throwaway. It was a rushed. Pilot, it seems like a rush pilot doesn't really fit. Message is the one I'm thinking of, actually. Okay. Yeah. And then number one, as is number four, Shindig. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go. My number three is safe. Mm. Okay. 
number two. Is there, is there anything in particular about safe that? Uh, let's see here. Or is that just based my... purely on ranking? Notes. Um, I guess it was seeing Zach Efron. Valid. <laughs> um, well, I, I think it was the you know getting kidnapped in the in the old western village and okay. I, it just didn't That's work right. for That's me. Right. Uh, I agree with Brandon. Uh, my number two is Shindig. Um, I, I just don't think that's particularly good, but my the worst one for me is Heart of Gold. That is just a stuff. Like, it's unbelievable in, in several points, and I, I just didn't love it. Okay. I think that's an episode that would have been better later down the line with, with Th- more Thank payout. goodness, they for me, they didn't bring in the boy whores. Um, <laughs> you know, as, as Kaylee said... Oh, I wonder if they have boy whores. How thoughtful. <laughs> you know? It's just, thank goodness they didn't. Uh, for me, I'm going with number three, Heart of Gold. I just, I agree with you, Pete. There's, even though I select Nandy as the bit part, it's because of how they were able to integrate Nandy into the, the plot so quickly. You, but you'll, you'll never be able to fully justify that one? No, okay. not in my world. <laughs> but, like, everything else about this episode, in, including, and I think even as, like, the low low light, can I say that? <laughs> the, the low point of the episode when he makes that woman kneal. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Despicable, just, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's just rotten. Uh, number two is the message. I think I mentioned it at the time, that this episode does nothing for me. Huh. It's supposed to be this this heartwarming or, or you know pluck at the heartstrings kind of moment when you can't crawl you you find someone to carry you and every time I hear that line I'm just, I just want to vomit because it's just so saccharine and and I don't feel like they actually care about the character enough to make that episode work I felt like the actor delivered a better performance than Heart of Gold though like when he's reading it when we're hearing the audio version I think he acted it well maybe okay. the maybe the uh dialogue itself like the the text of what he's reading is is a little cheap I I can see what you're saying he he did the best with what he had yeah uh, okay but still the episode was poorly written it was just a nightmare a disaster in my opinion but n- number 1 in my opinion has to go to the train job the thing that for me, was wow. so terrible. I almost never watched Firefly as a result of just how much of a stinker I thought that episode was. It's too bad. You can tell that episode was rushed. I enjoyed it. I, I, I thought it was alright. Okay. Pete, your top five episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, thank goodness there's only 14 to choose from. <laughs> um, and I'm going to go to Town just because of the hilarity of it. A lot of it is Oh, gr- brother, you know, just groan-worthy <laughs> as we see the guy getting out of the box after having been in there for several years, and he can suddenly just walk away. Um, uh, no. Yeah. Plus the magistrate that was there, uh, he was over the top. And then ending um, a- ending that episode with the, you know, the guy who's become a man. In the position in which he sits. Yes. <laughs> I mean, those were the bad points, but there were so many other funny, hilarious moments that we got to have at the expense of Jane in this episode that it just climbs to the top, and it's just so memorable and fun. Uh, Number four is going to be Bushwhacked. Uh, I thought that was fun. Number three is Serenity, which was the actual pilot, Um, and I... 
what a great way to introduce yeah. uh, a show. I mean, it's it's one of those ones that's just solid nearly all the way through. Number two is out of gas because of we see the emotional attachment that, that Mal has with this ship and what it means to him and why he's so so bonded with it. Yeah. And then uh, my number one is objects in space at the end. I, I just love that last episode we watched. It was okay. so much fun. It's a good list you got there, sure. I have a few points of disagreement, but we're fairly close, I think. Uh, number five, I'm giving to War Stories. Uh, this is where Wash and Mal get captured by Niska, and I, I just there's I think there's a lot of good things in this episode. We get to see River use the gun. We get to we get to see Wash develop a little bit as a character, become maybe a little less of the comedic punching bag. Okay, now I'm learning about carrying things. Okay, now I'm learning about scary. <laughs> yes. Uh, number four, as you said, Janestown. It's just, it is so funny. There there are some pieces that don't work so well, but on top of it being funny, to actually make a believable transition to where Jane starts to care about something, not very far removed from the episode of Ariel. Uh, I think they did a, a really good job of, ma- of ha- ha- having us come back around and buy into the character of Jane a little bit more, where we might kind of be angry at him. Why that bit. guy do that, Mal? Why they gotta do that? Yes, yeah. Uh, number three is Ariel. Uh, you know, the, we get to see the hands of blue really develop into their creepiest sure. you know, potential. Um, we get to see Jane and the scene between Jane and Mal. As I think it was uh, listener Bob, was it? Or anyway, one of our listeners mentioned the the interaction between Jane and Mal at the end, where Mal's pointing out to Jane, "You did it to my crew. You did it to me." You betrayed me in here. Uh, I think that's that's really well done. Number two, Objects in Space. I think is a, is a great episode. Awesome villain. Really, really well done. But the number one episode for me is Out of Gas. To me, this is the defining episode of Firefly. As we see, like you said, the, the love, the deep love that Mal has for Serenity. And how all these people came together to form just the, like the Oddball family. I, I think it's a, a very powerful episode. I have a hard time limiting this to just five <laughs> episodes. In fact, I've gone back and forth on, on five through eight a lot. But I'm going to go with five being war stories. Um, a lot of what Joey says, I, I repeat, um, we also kind of get to know a little bit more of the measure of the man of... Um, Malcolm Reynolds, just like Niska promised us in the in the episode, um, and I love this the scene. The captain's got to do this for himself. No, no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Four. I'm going to go with bushwhacked because a bit about the Reavers, but it also there's an answer in that episode to a question that I've heard a lot of people ask after watching Serenity, um, and I won't give it away. Until after you guys do Serenity. Okay. I mean, it, it, the introduction of the Reavers yes. in there, that's the real proper best introduction yeah. the, for the Reavers. Because it's scary as all get out. <laughs> you know, the light comes on, you know, with Jane in the kitchen, and all of a sudden, he's right there. And he attacks Jane. Ha! Ha ha! Nearly wet myself type yes. of television. <laughs> and it is just so creepy. And I, it, 
awesome. So, Brandon, before you go on with your list, I got to ask: Do you like horror movies? Yes, I do like, like horror okay. movies. That was my that was wait, my wait, wait, beef with that episode. Horror or whore? I couldn't quite horror. tell. Horror. <laughs> horror. Yes, it's movies that involve whoring. Horror movies. <laughs> but but I also have to be quite honest that this episode would not have been as high on my list until the movie came out. Okay. All right. I I know where you're I know where you're going with that. Okay. Fascinating. Number three, <laughs> objects in space. Okay. <laughs> I love the episode. That was, a, that, that, was a, that was a game day decision right there, <laughs> it ladies was. and gentlemen. It was. That happened right there. We saw the process evolve. <laughs> it absolutely was. Number three is objects in space. Um, Jubal Early is amazing. We get to know River. We get to love River. Um, we see the crew come together. And accept one another, which is what we see the beginning of in my second choice, which is Out of Gas. Mm-hmm. I love that episode. You know, we we get to meet the crew, all of the crew, including the ship, for the very first time. Um, we see how Mal has formed attachments to just the weirdest group of people out there. I loved Wash's mustache at the beginning. You know, yes. <laughs> um, seeing how. Zoe didn't like him. You know, just where they were to the beginning, the way the camera was shot, you know, certain points where he falls on a certain point and, you know, then we, we see that yeah. point in back in time, the changing of the colors. I, I love everything about Great that show. The, the red button being symbolic. Um, you, do you guys know the story about the red button? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. You know, the red button being symbolic for every one of us who loves the show, waiting for that button to get pressed again. Um, but the first and foremost to me is... Serenity. I just love the way this series opens up. The battle scene. We we see Mal lose his faith. We see the moment where a man has lost everything. We lo- he's lost his entire being, and then we fast forward, and it just sets up beautiful. You know where the break between the two episodes were with the introduction of River, and just um. Mal even gets his he shot first, you know, he hand shot first moment with shooting of Dobbs. And whether or not he, you, you think of him as alive or not, just walking onto the ship, firing Why did we have to bring Star Wars it? into this? You just, you just took that moment down a notch oh, for me. That moment, <laughs> it's one of the foundation geek things. Let it happen. This is. All right, all right. Utter destruction no, 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 of that no, moment no, that no. makes that moment so much I'm about so to turn your better. microphone off. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, okay. So we're now on favorite character. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. You know, I, I'm going to start with an honorable mention for Mal. And I say that because Mal is the character that I most closely identify with. Uh, you know, I... I see well, aspects of my Someone's putting themselves high. I see, well, I'm not saying I'm, I'm as good as he is. Well, maybe I'm all right. Um, <laughs> good one. Good line, sir. <laughs> but I, I, I identify with many of the decisions that he makes and the reasoning behind them. And, and I, I appreciate it for that. But the character that I come back to over and over again on this show is the character of River. Uh, I think like Mal, she brings out the the father in me, the desire to protect, the desire to, to nurture and to shelter and it's it's the the launching of the career of a geek icon, Summer Glau, who has developed into be 
you know, right up there with Felicia Day is one of those. The, uh, you, if you cast Summer Glau in your movie, it doesn't really matter what she's doing. You will get a a large segment of the geek culture will just show up to watch her be Summer Glau. It just it happens. Uh, what, was she always your favorite character, yes, or has that changed yeah, yeah. for you? I, I I mean, Kaylee's the hottest character, but as far as you know, which character would I? most really want to associate with I think it would be the character of River because again you know she brings out that fatherly instinct in me I want to protect her and I want to help her grow and become uh, the, the person that I know she can be and I can kill people with my mind and she can kill people with her mind that is a skill that would come in handy you know as her father I, I could you know anyway uh, Brandon <laughs> See, I'm going to go with Malcolm Reynolds. I know it's cliched, it's the obvious choice, but I just got the weight of the world on his shoulders. You know, he's he's got to take care of the crew. He's got to keep the ship flying. He's struggling to stay on the right side of this moral line as he is on the outer edges of space and has to go doing more. Um, and, and I'll make the same point for Nathan Fillion that you made for Summer Glau. Whereas sure. you cast him in anything, and people are going to show up just to see Nathan be Nathan. Um, it to me the show. It, it's really close because the show is about River and the show is about Mal. But for me, it's just Mal is the one I like the better. Okay, Pete. Uh, I've I've already mentioned this before. I absolutely love the character of Jane. He is so incredibly one note. <laughs> and he plays it brilliantly to the hilt. No apologies whatsoever. This is who I am. This is what I do. He doesn't care. He's yeah. out there. He does it. He looks like an idiot a lot of times when he, you know, he gets around other people. But when the stuff starts to happen, everybody's really glad Jane's around. <laughs> you know, he goes and pulls out Vera or whatever his favorite gun of the moment is. You know, that that character of Jane is just, for me, so much fun because, I mean, it's really the, it's not to the viciousness that Jane has, but to I, every Dungeons and Dragons character I've I, ever I knew had. you were going to go there eventually. Is Jane. Jane. Yeah. It is. And I loved that someone put it out there and uh, uh, Adam Baldwin, he was brilliant. I can't fault Adam Baldwin at all for any of the the things that he put out as an actor for that that character. Okay. Nailed it. Okay. Brandon, favorite overall moment of the entire series? This is a good land. This is a fertile land. <laughs> Everything looks good from here. Yes. Yes. This is a fertile land and we will thrive. We will rule over all this land, and we will call it this land. I think we should call it your grave. Ah, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Ah, ah, ah. Mine is an evil laugh. Now die! Ah, oh, no God! Ah, oh, dear God in heaven! <laughs> Just because we go from the tenseness of the scene before it, we pan up, we see the ship. Mighty Die here's watch playing with dinosaurs. It just kind of set the tone for what we get a lot. Okay. Pete? 
<laughs> just still <laughs> laughing at that. It's so funny. I'm going to have to go with, uh, I think, what Bob mentioned um, from Ariel. At the end, where Mal sends Jane a message. And Jane wakes up on the wrong side of the door. Job's done. Figured it was time for a little chat. Seems to me we had a solid plan. Smooth, you might say. But what I can't figure out is what you were doing around the back exit. What? I couldn't go out the front. I had to improvise. Open the damn door. You called the feds. What? I got pinched. Which is what happens when you call the feds. No, I would never do that, my hand of God. May you strike me down as I'm standing here. Well, you won't be standing there long. The minute we break ammo, you'll be a lot thinner once you get sucked out that hole. Oh, come on, Mel. Leaving ammo uh, in two minutes. That ain't no way for Secure a man to die. Door at once. You want to kill me, shoot me. Just let me in. You know, I hear tell they used to keel haul traders back in the day. I don't have a keel to haul you on, so. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, all right? Sorry for what, Jane? I thought you'd never do such a thing. Money was too good. I got stupid. I'm sorry, okay? Be reasonable. What are you taking it so personal for? It ain't like I ratted you out to the feds. Oh, but you did. You turn on any of my crew, you turn on me. But since that's a concept you can't seem to wrap your head around, then you got no place here. You did it to me, Jane. What are you going to tell the others? About what? About why I'm dead. I hadn't thought about it. Make something up. Don't tell them what I did. Next time you decide to stab me in the back, have the guts to do it to my face. Can I come in? Yeah, that, that's a, one of those small moments in Jane's life where. He, he grows just a little bit. Just that little tiny bit. You know, his heart grew, you know, a little <laughs> bit that, that day um, where he says, don't tell him what I did. Yes. And, and that's, that's movement for Jane. And that's what saves his life. It, yes. Yes, it does. It does. Uh, I think it's an excellent selection. There um, are too many to yes. choose from in a show that's only 14 episodes. And yeah. that, that speaks volumes to the writing staff. And the creative staff that came up with a show like this—it really does. Um, so, I had I had so many I, I was playing with. I'll, I'll be honest. My I think my favorite moment of the whole series, because it comes so early in the series, 
and yet it it gives us station for the character of Mal is when he comes on board the ship in Serenity and he sees the Dobson with the who was it with Kaylee or mm-hmm. no who did he have at gunpoint I can't even remember now yeah. and one of them at gunpoint was it Kaylee yeah and and Mal there's no hesitation there's no there's no arguing with the guy he just pulls out his gun shoots the guy and throws him off the ship. But there's not a whole lot of dialogue going on there. So I, I, I was going over the, the moments of dialogue, and there's so many good ones. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like I said, it, it all comes down to me, for me to Mal at the end of Out of Gas when he realizes, oh, they came back for me, but he doesn't quite trust that moment. So let's go ahead and listen here. Welcome back, sir. I go someplace? Very nearly. I thought we'd lost you. Oh, I've been right here. Well, is she okay? Yeah, Mal, I'm fine. You got a thing in your arm? Yeah. Try not to speak. You're heavily medicated and you've lost a lot of blood. Oh. I thought I ordered you all off the ship. I call you back? No, Mal, you didn't. I take full responsibility, Captain. The decision saved your life. Won't happen again, sir. Good. And thanks, I'm grateful. It was my pleasure, sir. Uh, Well, hey, you know, we'd have been back first if there's something wrong with Nara's shuttle. She's done something to it, Mal. Smells funny. I told you that's incense. So you say. Hey, Captain. Hey. You fixed the ship. Good work. Thanks. All right. I have to insist the captain needs to rest. Yeah. I think the doc might not be wrong about that one. Just gonna need a few. Y'all gonna be here when I wake up? We'll be here. Good. That's good. So it's it's that fear that that you're all going to be here when I wake up, right? I'm not hallucinating again because he's been kind of hallucinating as he wanders through the ship, uh, and and just he wants to know that everyone is back where they belong and that and that everything's okay now. Uh, good series. I, th- I think it was well done, Pete, to, to select it as as one of our series here. Again, we'll be going next into the BBC version of Sherlock. No, we'll be doing the movie. Oh, right. Serenity. Thank you. Next, we'll be doing yeah. the movie Serenity, yeah, which, movie is the, podcast. which quick, is the uh, the final episode. Quick really. plug that Firefly will actually be on the air one more time. 11-11. They're doing a reunion special 10 years later, kind of based off of the comic The Mash one? panel that was just done but it, it's you know it's the science channel who's doing it's gonna be it, on right? the science channel yep on november 11th so you know i i doubt there's gonna be anything new in there but it's a chance to relive some great moments some great quotes i'm sure yeah okay sounds like fun well that brings us to the end of another episode of the home starmy presents trek west 5 we hope that you've learned something had some laughs and we always invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com or you can tweet us at hashtag TrekWest5, or call and leave us a voicemail at 801-788-4913. 
So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And thanks for listening. Good to see you again.